that city on a hill And welcome to Final Games, the podcast about the games that inspired us. I'm your host, Liam Edwards, and I welcome you to the 16th episode of the show. Just a quick note before we start today, um, I just wanted to say a huge thanks to everyone who listened to the show last week. Thanks to everyone who listened and all the lovely people who downloaded it. Final Games actually claimed the number one spot on iTunes charts for games and hobbies last week, beating out shows like The Gymquisition, Giant Bomb, and Total Biscuits, the co-optional podcast. So, all in all, it was a pretty crazy week, and... Uh, The show stayed in the top 10 for the whole of the last week, so thanks to everyone who downloaded and installed. Um, Now, I've spoken to so many incredible people on the show, and usually I can hold my own, but today I will admit I'm a little nervous. (laughs) You could certainly argue that my guest today was one of the most influential people in games media for multiple years. Starting out as an intern after working on his own fan site, he was given a permanent job at GameSpot nearly 20 years ago in November 1996. For the next 11 years and under his tenure as editor-in-chief, GameSpot flourished, becoming the most popular and go-to site for games news and reviews during the 2000s. For anyone who was like me, who was an avid member of the GameSpot community forums and a daily visit to the site, my guest's writing and video reviews became legendary and a daily staple for all of us. He was known for his incredibly intelligent and excellent analysis on video games, and after 11 years in 2011, left GameSpot to make the switch to making games. He took on a role that he was quoted as describing as a role of a lifetime, an assistant producer gig at EA's Los Angeles office working on Command & Conquer 3 Tiberium Wars, and then Command & Conquer 3 Red Alert. He then made a quick move to 2K where he offered his services to help on the excellence back ups the line. In 2010, however, he was announced as the creative director at Supergiant Games, where he would be working as a writer on a little game called Bastion. After the incredible success of Bastion, my guest and the team at Supergiant Games began work on Transistor, a game about a lady named Red and her sword. And just like Bastion, Transistor was a huge hit and received critical acclaim. My guest today is the incredible Greg Kasavin. Hello, Greg. Hello. Uh, thank you very, very much for that uh, way, way, way too generous introduction. So thank you. <laughs> I'm 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 extremely excited to talk to you today. Yeah. As I mentioned before, I was uh when I was younger, between probably thirteen going on to seventeen, I pretty much visited GameSpot every day. The internet wasn't how it was yeah. now. It wasn't as easily accessible to get um reviews or videos on video games. You know, YouTube hadn't really started and that kind of thing. So yep. um Watching you review games like Resident Evil 4, Knights of the Old Republic, um, was my daily uh, routine. So <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That was that was definitely uh, kind of when when I was in the thick of it. So yeah, thank thank you for remembering all that stuff. No, and, I... and and for being active in the in the community as well. That we were kind of like a the kind of community part of it was a was a big deal to us yes i remember when it got introduced and it was all of a sudden we could write our own blogs and we could have our own little profiles where we had almost kind of like achievements and we had levels and yeah it was really really cool that's cool it's all very quaint now but uh, but yeah at the time (laughs) it felt like uh yeah felt like we were doing something new so that that's cool it all sort of integrated together with uh, whatever was being posted on the site by gamespot staff and then being able to comment on it as a you know before (laughs) anonymity sort of ruined commenting on the internet um but it was just this crazy thing that it never been done before never seen before so it kept drawing people to GameSpot. and uh i think one of those things 
especially was, you know, your writing and your video reviews. You were sort of the face and alongside Jeff who came in, uh, Jeff Gertzman. Um, how, how sort of was that? You ended up being this very large personality in the gaming space before all these YouTubers and all, yeah, all these mean, writers and that kind of thing. I mean, uh, it was... Uh, it's interesting because, I mean, we were just always so busy. It felt like we were just kind of uh, going, just always trying to get out from under the, the monumental amount of stuff there was to do. Um, the Those of us like like Jeff and, and me, it's like n- none of us came into that stuff expecting, uh, first of all, to be on, on camera. Um, we were just there. I, I think we were there foremost, at least for myself. I was there foremost. You know, I came in uh, uh, as as a writer. Yeah. Um, so because uh, you'd but, had your own site before that, and yeah, yeah, and I and I just enjoyed. I I wanted to make games since I was a little kid, but I I, I sort of my initial attempts were not successful. But I really enjoyed writing. Um, and as I played games more and more, I just um wanted to. I felt like I needed to do something productive with them uh, besides just like playing them all the time. Um, so I, so I took to, I took to writing and that that's what eventually led to the job at GameSpot. But yeah, the, the part where, you know, we could kind of get in front of the camera and, and, and talk through it was, was like a really interesting way that that work there developed. Like I'm, I'm like a pretty private, not super social uh, human being. Um, okay. But, but in front of the camera, there was like, a sense of comfort and fluency after a while that was just like a it is still unusual to me honestly um it's uh, and and you know hearing once in a while from folks like you who still remember that stuff from like more than oh, 10 years ago now it's it's pretty um i i guess it goes to show it it had some value and when you're when you're just kind of doing stuff in and around video games day to day that's kind of all you can hope for i think is that uh i mean i i i always did it because i loved it but um, you you don't really know if it's having a day in and day out. It, just like on the internet today, you you kind of like are more attuned to the negativity than the yes, positivity. So absolutely. you don't really know if you're doing anything that worthwhile. Yeah, it, it's, from it's strange because I don't remember that time being negative as now. Yeah. I'm not sure it, how it was for you reading comments on videos that you've done and that kind of thing, but I felt that your reviews most of the time were very positive, even if a game was bad. Like the one yeah. I'll always remember is the Red Steel one, because I was extremely uh, yeah. excited for the Wii, and I'd watched the Red Steel one, <laughs> and I actually had bought a copy of Red Steel. <laughs> but it, it's like you had some positive things to say about it and um it, it just always felt like no matter what you weren't trying to uh, critically bash your game just because it would bring in views that some people do oh yeah that, um, that was really important to us yeah it's just to not you know what it's still this is still it people still made this people probably cared a lot about this thing so so it, it's fine it's fine to be critical uh, but but stick to the point and kind of don't don't get yeah. nasty don't get personal with it uh, that was and and that was partly you know uh, not not to be like too we didn't want to be flashy with it and we also like didn't want to didn't want to incite the kind of negativity that that could happen um as you know we wanted to mitigate against it as yeah. as much as possible so um uh, it, i i i do think today you know twitter didn't exist back then i think i think twitter is uh, although I enjoy uh, using Twitter um, overall, uh, I, I think it can like 
the way that social networks like that exist today, they can yeah. sort of amplify negativity in a way that wasn't possible, yeah. you know, in 2004 or whatever. Um, but it's a very different people time. Being, <laughs> yeah, people being nasty on the internet is as old as the internet, though. Yes. Overall. So as old as time. Let's talk about then. You were talking about games uh, being made by people, and you always sort of have to remember that. Let's talk about your switch then, because in 2007 you left GameSpot to then, after 10 years, make the move to not being able to talk about them critically anymore, but have to defend games potentially if they were bad. <laughs> Luckily, oh. in your case, that has not been so far. Um, yeah. How was the switch to making games? Yeah, this uh, I mean the switch was the switch was good. It wasn't I I I feel like I did I'd done a lot of homework, I I think. I knew, you know, I I joined I joined Electronic Arts and I didn't have I didn't have like delusions about the kind of company I was going to work for. Like I like Electronic Arts had produced some really outstanding games and also other games, right? <laughs> so um they they just make make a lot of different games, but I knew the team I was joining um, was a team that was very very good. Uh, it it was the team that made uh, Command and Conquer Generals uh, and uh, Battle for Middle Earth and its sequel, uh, and then was then working on Command and Conquer Three and uh, the uh, Command and Conquer series of real time strategy games is one of many uh, game series that I just kind of hold. Uh, near and dear so yeah you're quite a fan of command and conquer aren't you yeah so the chance to work on that um it, it seemed like a really great uh opportunity for uh for someone who just I, I i just really wanted i knew if i never tried uh game development i would regret it basically and and it was it felt like as good a, a shot as i was as i was ever gonna get um the the transition um i i was able to kind of get in and make myself useful i think uh, pretty pretty readily um in part because my my experience like a game spot you know yeah my outward facing work was was like my reviews and the 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 kind of the the content that i worked on for GameSpot. but yeah. the, behind the scenes i was i was heavily involved with the website itself um so i was already working with teams of engineers and graphic designers and um and all ba basically in this kind of cross disciplinary fashion yeah. which is which is pretty similar in spirit to the kind of work that a producer has to do at a game company so um so i think that experience helped me kind of more specifically than like my ability to write game reviews or something like that so uh, yeah it's, yeah as you said yeah i can i can kind of see that actually being an editor in chief having to have your fingers all over the place, making sure people stay on deadlines, making sure things are getting done, and a producer being the same thing, especially with the many different departments that there is. Um, yeah. How how is it now? Because you uh, you know you're coming up to almost ten years yeah. making games as well. Um, is there sort of things that you miss uh, about being editor in chief that uh, you sometimes sit at your desk during the long days of game development? You're like, ah, I wish I was at home playing the latest gta or something i don't know oh well well i was never at home playing <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I would usually i would do most of my reviewing kind of late at night and stuff the um you know as as uh as uh, as i th as you know yourself full well the the hours uh working in the game industry are not um always great yes uh, and, <laughs> and uh in that in that respect actually working at GameSpot was good preparation because the the hours for me at GameSpot were were really not good um and and they were uh, you know i was in my 
I started there as a as a teenager and worked there through basically through most of my twenties. Yeah. Um, and I think I think today I don't know that I could like physically do it, especially with with kids at home and stuff like that. So is it, so um, yeah. is it potentially worse because it's self inflicted as editor in chief? You have to sort of set a standard, whereas when you work game crunch for a company it's more you're told <laughs> to do so no, so isn't well so i i'm i'm very i'm very very uh, blessed in in my in my time in working in game development that i've never i've never crunched because i was told i've i've crunched out of out of the same sense that i crunched at GameSpot, which is like the self-inflicted i need to do all this yeah to push myself kind of version of it which is which is also not great, but not, <laughs> but not, I, I think, I think probably not as bad as the version where you're just, you feel like if you don't do it, then, you know, there's going to be terrible consequences to your career and yeah. whatever. It's, um, that, that, yeah, I've, I've never uh, personally experienced that, thankfully. So, um, yeah. So now, uh, we're in 2016 and you've, uh, just announced a new game called Pyre that you've shown off at PAX. Um, Supergiant Games has been this uh, almost growing studio. And although you've only released two games, people are sort of looking at you for fantastic consistency when it comes to quality in video games. Um, You've got Bastion, which was amazing. It was a gorgeous game. I had this wonderful uh, narrator that everyone remembers fondly about their game and the gameplay was superb and then you had transistor which just carried on that consistent quality what was it like reading reviews for those games being yeah. someone who was such a prominent reviewer and well-known reviewer what was it like reading reviews <laughs> yeah, you like how why have they said that why have they picked up on this that's really good that's not good <laughs> that's it, it my my first experience around that kind of moment was at uh at electronic arts there was this moment when uh, command and conquer 3 came out and one of my colleagues at the time was like now you get to now you get to see what it's really like to be on the <laughs> on the receiving end this and, is revenge and, yeah and he kind of he kind of said it kind of smirking like that and my reaction was like i i think i'm i think i'm better equipped to handle this than most of the folks here i kind of my my whole stance on this stuff is that there's there's just no arguing with someone's experience um, during my time at GameSpot, I would I would not infrequently get like pretty angry responses from. It usually wasn't from the developers themselves. It was often from like their publicists and stuff. So okay, I didn't yeah. even know how real the anger was. But it's like, dude, I will correct factual inaccuracies about this review if you can point any to me. But if you're just mad that we didn't like it, like. I'm sorry. There's <laughs> like you, none of us can change the experience that that the game you know created for the person who played it. Um, and and I feel that way about games I've worked on. So if 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 I read a um, if I read a review, you know, like like I think a lot of people, I am I'm more I'm more sensitive to and maybe even more interested in like the negative aspects of reviews like what were the what were the problems what wasn't what didn't come together for this person yeah i want to know that um but i've never i've never i can't think of a time when i've like taken a review personally and 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 believe me uh there have been some negative reviews of games i've worked on okay um including including bastion and transistor um bastion actually didn't get bastion 
we were really taken aback by how well that game ended up doing because when it first came out, the reviews were really good, but they weren't like they weren't like through the roof or anything. They okay. were like this is a great game and then and then at the end of the you know, but in that in that kind of like it, the reviews didn't paint it as something extraordinary for the most part. Um but then it just kept going and then at the end of the year months later it started picking up all of the kind of independent game of the year awards like something about that game i think stuck with people in a way and it just it just sort of took on a life of its own we yeah. were really taken aback uh, on the team like we when when it we did not think we had like a big hit on our hands when it first came out it was like only gradually over time we're like Hold, what is going on like people keep buying this thing and people keep saying nice things about it um, <laughs> but 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 since it happened gradually like that um we never had this moment of like elation that we okay. you know knocked it out of the park or anything it was very so, very strange honestly do you sort of know by the end of a project having your own criteria for when you used to review games and all the sort of notes that you'd pick up on was there did do you sort of know every everyone who works yep. on games knows how well their game's going to do you've looked at it for so long you know what the yep. issues are you know what the the positive things are but do yeah, you I, specifically know what reviewers are going to talk about or what's going to get highlighted and that kind of thing um like sort of but not really if that makes sense like i i i i don't i've never I've never felt like I had a total sixth sense about it. Uh, I, I think I think uh, game critics come at this stuff from all sorts of different angles, and I couldn't possibly anticipate them all. Um, I so I don't. I think we do kind of prepare ourselves for what the kind of variety of responses could be to one of our games. We've never been like utterly shocked, um, but but that's in part because we prepare ourselves both for good and for bad um so when good happens we're like okay cool and when bad happens we go okay yeah i could i guess i could see that too we we know at some point yeah during development that we're making a game that's just like not unlikely to make everybody happy like we make certain design choices where we know as we make those choices that this is this is just not here's one of those moments where this game is no longer you know for everybody like this portion of people is going to love this choice that we made and the, and this other portion may not and and okay. we're 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 just okay with that as long as we make those decisions in like an internally consistent way and in a way that we think is best uh, for the kind of game that we're making ah so sort of you you get to a point where you're like Okay, so I know now the people who like this sort of type of game are probably going to maybe drop out at this point, or there's going to be this core audience who are going to stick with us because this part hits at what this game was like or what this yeah, game was like. Yeah, I think there are things like that. I mean, there are things like that all over the place, like a, like a pretty fundamental topic like that is is how hard is the game? Um, it, it, who Who is it tuned for? Um, is it tuned for like the you know the the dark souls expert or is it tuned for someone who you know has never even held a controller in their hands or yeah. or, someone, or someone in between and we we think a lot about uh, those kind of topics and we think about how the the kind of level of challenge of our games has to interact with the narrative goals and what it can be like sometimes to play a game that has a really interesting story but also is really difficult and you find yourself in these moments where you're you know, bashing your head against the same sequence over and over just because you want to see where the story goes, but you can't get any farther and how mad 
that can make you uh, <laughs> and, and how we don't want to make stuff like that. Um, th- things of that nature, but, but it's not because, but, but then some of my personal favorite games are extraordinarily challenging. Uh, so um, it, it's just, those are some of the, some of the choices uh, that, that we make along the way. And we know, yeah, again, we know it probably won't land the same way for everybody. If anything, I think, I think I, and uh, other, other folks I work with, I think we're, we're just often, I think we're, we're more frequently kind of amazed that the ideas that we try to put into our games, like come through at all. I think, I think a lot of us have a relatively pessimistic uh, disposition. (laughs) We don't, we don't approach this stuff thinking like, Oh, everyone's going to, like we never think that everyone's going to think what we're doing is great and we're very critical of the stuff that we're working on and we just sort of barely get it to a point where we think it's like sort of acceptable uh, and then, <laughs> thankfully our our standard is such that it, it it tends to um it tends to work out but but uh for you know i i think we're often our own uh worst worst critic uh, during development so when when it finally comes out and reviews start landing you know some, sometimes they confirm your worst fears and that and that could be really hurtful but um overall i think we're we're pretty honest with our own work fantastic well considering uh you make games now and you used to review games i think you're in a pretty good standpoint to choose games for an island yeah so <laughs> I, i've played a lot of i've played a lot of games at least that much i can say <laughs> and uh to be honest your list is very very interesting um it, includes a lot of games that have been released within the last 10 or 15 years yeah so that's quite a surprise considering the amount of games you must have reviewed back at games yeah it's kind of like i when when you when you sort of put forth the challenge i i i sort of immediately approached it in maybe the least creative way possible which is to <laughs> take it which is to take it really literally of like okay if i can these are going to be the only games i can play for the rest of my life, uh, I then I'm gonna then what I value, what I put at a premium is is like how how much how much gameplay I can get out of them over the long haul. Yeah, um, that which is not normally something that I value that highly in games. It's just something that in in the in the context of this challenge uh, became more of a priority. It's Whereas that sort game, of it's that sort of balance. It's do I want to take Super Mario sixty four because I love Super Mario sixty four, or would I like to choose League of Legends because I can play League of Legends for the rest of my life, kind of thing. Yeah, that, that's right. And 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 for me, I actually I don't get um, I don't get super nostalgic about games. Like I I sort of cherish their memories, um, but. But when I go back to them, I'm often like, Ugh, like the memory was better. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm sorry I did this. There, there are very few games to me that are, um, there are, there certainly are some, but games that are such cla- like the, for me, the true definition of a classic is like a game with a timeless quality where no matter, you, you could go back to it time after time and, and it's, and, and and it's like, it doesn't age. It's yeah. and, and Super Mario Brothers is like such a game. I think it, yeah. it's got truly timeless quality but on the other hand there are games like take uh for example the original XCOM, uh which is considered a classic game it's a it's an amazing game but but i in in my opinion it's kind of like borderline unplayable just because <laughs> of like the the interface like the interface and stuff like that like the the 
the actual like usability standards of those kind of interfaces have changed a lot. So it's really hard to go back to. Yeah. And I find that to be the case uh, with a lot of like uh, classic uh, computer games from the from kind of the early to late uh, early to mid nineties, which which I really enjoyed. But yeah, again, I can't I can't really go back and play them. I, I'm just glad I have their their memories. Their with memories. Me. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, we're going to jump into it today and we're going to have a look at your list and then you can give us your, you can put your old reviewing hat back on and uh, we can talk about these games. So let's listen to some music from the first game and dive straight into it. So the first game on your list today, Greg, is a freemium mobile app for the (laughs) iOS and Android developed by the huge game development company for mobile, Supercell. It was released worldwide at the beginning of last month. Uh, It combines all kinds of gameplay elements such as card collecting, tower defense, and uh, sort of like a MOBA. Um, It rakes in an estimated $1.5 million of daily revenue. It's a huge, huge game. Uh, It's Clash Royale. Greg, please explain to me why you've chosen Clash Royale as someone yeah. who keeps seeing people playing it but doesn't want to take the plunge themselves. Tell me why Clash Royale is on your list. Yeah, so so Clash Royale, uh, let me count the ways. I think that my best... Are you, are you familiar with uh, Advance Wars? Yes, Advance Wars for the DS. Yeah, so did you... Did you enjoy Advance Wars? I adore Advance Wars. <laughs> okay, so 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 did I. So what was what was so amazing to me about Advance Wars at the time was that here was this game that that reapproached strategy games. It made strategy games like incredibly approachable um, and and just kind of flavorful and fun uh, without sacrificing the depth. It it actually just. It, it was just a better strategy game than than what was happening elsewhere in the in the genre, where the genre was prone toward uh, complexity. It was just like we're going to make a better strategy game because we're going to add features, we're going to you know ha- make you manage more things, and therefore make a deeper strategy game. And Advance Wars threw all that aside and and focused on these more integral uh, interactions, almost like the game of chess or something like that. But it was a fantastic game. So. To me, uh, Clash Royale is the closest thing to Advance Wars since Advance Wars, even though it plays totally differently. I was going to uh, say, it, it kind of it looks like it plays entirely differently. It, it, they're, they're, <laughs> nothing, they're nothing alike gameplay-wise. They're very similar to me uh, spiritually in, in, okay. terms of what they, in terms of what they accomplish, um, in terms of what they accomplish as, as strategy games. Um, so, and, and yeah, this is, for me, this is coming 
from you know someone who worked on strategy games for for close to three years um, yeah. when I first got into game development. I man, Clash Royale is just brilliant as as a distillation of everything that makes real time strategy good and exciting and interesting. I think uh, other than other than it doesn't have any like of the narrative aspects that have been strong in some of the command and conquer games and so on but yeah. uh, purely purely as like a a real time uh, competitive strategy game it's it, i find it to be amazing and a lot of the design choices so i'm i'm not being like specific at all about this i'm speaking more generally but it's it's just kind of uh it it it's it's one of those i always imagine like there being a strategy game that could sort of trick people into playing strategy games without them even sort of realizing that that was like the experience they were having because they were having so much fun when you hear about strategy games it's like oh i don't know if that's some people that's exciting but to the average person it's like oh i don't know if that's for me uh but but they they do come off as overly complex right but but there have been these groundbreaking games like command and conquer and advance wars that 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 like got people to to just sort of give it a give it a shot and realize how how fun it can be to yeah. just sort of outthink and outmaneuver your opponent and and Clash Royale is exactly that kind of game where you don't even realize you're playing a competitive strategy game until there you are you're doing it and you just beat some guy in China or whatever and you didn't <laughs> even know it. um and the, the they're they're both design things and technology things about the game that I find uh to be like frankly like just like insane uh the 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 multiplayer matchmaking in that game is is maybe 20 times faster than the fastest matchmaking i've ever experienced in a game just it is so easy uh and painless to just play a game of clash royale and the and the games are capped at four minutes maximum so it doesn't have that 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 sort of horrible feeling that can come with a game of starcraft or whatever where you spend 10 minutes building up a base and then it's annihilated in like 15 <laughs> seconds and you and you just feel awful cuz cuz the the upfront investment is so small you just hit a button and you're in a game um so so there's nothing to it there's nothing to lose uh and you just kind of enjoy it and and have fun and realize that there's actually a deep uh, well-balanced strategy game hidden in there uh with really simple uh, mechanics so i as as you could tell i really kind of can't say enough good things about it i i may still be in my honeymoon phase with it although <laughs> i've been playing it i've been playing it like a lot since it came out yeah um so uh, how, let, me, I mean, let me ask you let me ask you how much money have you oh spent? i've spent i've spent nothing spent nothing yeah okay nothing. it's it, i've spent nothing on it and it's provided me with more enjoyment than most games that i've you know spent sixty dollars on so so that yeah i don't feel i i feel even the kind of free-to-play mechanics all they're doing is they're like they're pushing you sort of forward in time like they you you could just sort of advance faster but i don't know why you would even want that necessarily because it's just fun to play i i I okay play it i play it for its own sake not because i like want to beat people of higher (laughs) of higher rank than me what does it matter so yeah, I, I might I might have to download it after this. I and try I think it. I, I you know a lot of people like I I've never played a Clash of Clans like like many other people. I I had my assumptions about what kind of game that is. You know I make I make these like 
single player. I, I make games that seem antithetical to something like this. Yeah. Um, you, the, uh, yeah, it's the almost antithesis of exactly what it is in your hand. Yeah. It's quick. So, it feeds you almost nothing story-wise. Um, and it just wants you to play and potentially spend money in comparison yeah. to a game like yours, which is an experience for the player to digest slowly. And I, I've, I've played plenty of like manipulative free-to-play games. Um, I'm, I'm sort of interested in how they manipulate people because I because I don't want to ever do... I want to understand what they're doing. <laughs> because I want to I, finally make a game. <laughs> no, no. I want to stay as far away from that as possible. I feel, I feel like understanding it is important. So, so, yeah. so this one, the, 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 the dirty secret that Clash Royale has is it's a really good game. It's not. It's not just some. Yeah. So that's 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 my take on it. It's it's one of the best strategy games I've played in years, and it's like incredibly. And part of that is is how is 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 from its like simplicity. Um. So it, it's a game. You know, the the interesting thing about the way you frame this challenge is like, oh, you know, is this if this is one of the last games you'll ever play? Like, I I don't know how long this game is going to be sort of sustained and maintained, but considering how it'll probably be going for at least a few years and you know what that's, well, that's like when you're raking in 1.5 million dollars a day i'm pretty sure you stick with that indeed uh, but those fortunes come and go quickly as as we as we've seen with some uh some of the kind of big players in yeah. in in the free to play space so i don't know that clash royale is going to be around for the rest of my life or if i'm going to enjoy playing it for the rest of my life but i could easily see uh, continuing to enjoy it for for a number of of years uh, given given what's there at the core uh i am just i'm just really surprised at by by how interesting it is really i i had no i had no idea when i when i downloaded it i downloaded it almost like cynically of like what is this i want to see what you know <laughs> what 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 have these people done now and well, then it's like wait wait a minute this is really good i'm downloading <laughs> it as we speak then well I'm I'm, I, I I'm literally on I'm on I'm on the iStore uh, the iOS store now and I am <laughs> I'm downloading it. Hey, for, for a free game, I think it's certainly worth uh, checking out. Okay, so. fantastic. Well, it's a really good start, and uh, I was very interested when you chose Clash Royale. I was like, man, this game must be good. If people are talking about it on Twitter constantly, and uh, Greg has chosen it for his list, it must be good. I must try it at some point. So we're going to move on to your next game now. Um, which happens to also be a free-to-play game, but in a slightly different vein. So let's listen to some music and dive straight into it. Okay, Greg, so before we move on to your next game, 
Um, we have the sort of uh, section of the show where you choose the virtual deserted place that you're trapped in. Yeah. So in this kind of thing, obviously we don't want you to be in danger too much. We, we're just kind of deserting you to leave you on your own to play these wonderful games that you've chosen. Um, it, so we kind of give you the choice of where you would like to be stranded. But it has to be from gaming, like a world from gaming. So we had, uh, you know, your friend Danny O'Dwyer from GameSpot. Um, he chose a few months ago. He chose the island of the witness, yeah, as a place to get trapped in, good. which is which is kind of nice, which is kind of cool. Um, I had uh Matt Lee's from Shut Up and Sit Down and Cool Ghosts. Uh, he chose uh, the world of Pokemon, Kanto, the original. Yeah, uh, very great. naive, very yeah. soft and cuddly yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. place. Um, is there anywhere that sort of instantly comes to mind? Um for you not somewhere like uh, the world of bastion which is falling apart you don't don't particularly want to get caught in that <laughs> yeah and not like a uh not like a populated place either or something something yeah. that is like well uh, it wouldn't be populated deserted. anyway it'd be deserted no matter what right because right, you'd I be see. on your own yeah um man what what jumps what jumps to mind you know um i think i think what strangely jumped to mind just now as uh and i think it's in part because uh you yourself um i think are I'm speaking to you while you're in japan but the world of uh a game called okami yes uh, for, for the gamecube which is this kind of um uh this kind of like wood wood block print mystical yeah version of japan it's essentially that... just a mystical version of japan <laughs> yeah i i think you know, I I think if I could live in mystical Japan, that that would be pretty cool. I would just like grow uh, daikon radishes or something like that. Just, <laughs> just become to, a yeah. just become a daikon farmer on your own little patch yeah, while playing like Clash Royale a, in the heat. Yep, live on a mountain somewhere. That that's <laughs> uh, I I think the kind of like the there to me there's a lot of appeal in the kind of like mountain monastic yeah type thing. Um, yeah, and the and the particular vision of the 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 kind of Japanese mystical version of that it's it's just always it all it gets me every time I think. Fantastic. So we've so now people can picture you with your iPhone playing Clash Royale on a mountain in Japan yep. with all sorts of mystical beings going around. Yep. Sounds Waiting. good. Sounds fantastic. Okay, so the Japan essentially is the place you're trapped in. <laughs> the whole of Japan. <laughs> yeah. So the next game that you're going to be playing in Japan is a, a sort of genre of game that isn't really popular in Japan at the moment. Um, the next game is the hugely successful MOBA, developed and published by Valve. The sequel to the extremely popular Warcraft 3 mod uh, Defense of the Agents, made by Icefrog. It released worldwide on July 9th, 2013. Uh, it's Dota 2. Greg, please tell me why Dota 2 is on your list. Yeah, so Dota 2 is, uh, to me, a game with with infinite uh, depth. Uh, there, it's a game that, given limitless time, I could I could continue to just play and enjoy and feel like I am having new experiences in that game and, and discovering new things. Um, so part of the appeal of this challenge is like, well, on the one hand, you're on a deserted island. On the other hand, hey, you got the rest of your life to do nothing but play certain video games. And the thing about uh, the thing about Dota 2 is you could just, once once you get into it, you could just basically play it forever. 
Um, it's yeah. got just just that much going on in it, and it, it it's just it's just a um, just to me like a profoundly interesting game. That um, if if you think of all the things that games can do as a medium, there's all the experiential stuff that they can do. Right? There's like the 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 narrative, like what they could do with narrative and creating empathy and putting you in into certain places and so on. There's that side of it. And then there's the raw kind of mechanical side of it, the interactive side of it, the, the, the part where action games come from. Um, and as it, as like an, as a pure, as a pure action game, a uh, Dota two is, is just one of the most sophisticated and, and deep gaming experiences I have ever had um you you i don't play like the piano or anything like that or like the i i've I've messed with some musical instruments but basically as you as you learn something like dota 2 or you know i I guess like league of legends and stuff league of legends is uh my uh, is how i can view it because i got very 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 deep into league of legends i still do now yeah Um, and 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 people have their sort of religious feuds between the two, but they're they're <laughs> they're quite they're quite similar in the kind of yeah. in the kind of experience they provide. So you feel you feel like you're like a pianist or something when you're like playing those games proficiently. It's so yeah. there's so much going on. Um, and, 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 and just I, like that, once you l- sort of learn to play the piano, you can almost sort of dabble in any instrument because there's almost sort of a mutual understanding. Right. And it's right. I think that's very similar about MOBAs as well. No, yeah, if you get very good at one, uh, like Dota or League of Legends, you can always sort of be relatively good at you know the others, like Heroes yeah. of the Storm or Heroes of New Earth. And there's like a there's like a sense of literacy to them for sure. Yeah, absolutely. They, um, yeah, it's its own. It's it's really its own like very specific uh, type of uh, type of game, but uh, but yeah, for for me, it's just when I play that game, I I just completely lose myself in it. And the the way that you know you hear some people describe their experience with like Civilization, where they you know they look up and suddenly it's four in the morning and they've been playing Civilization all night. Yes, uh, that's that's kind of how <laughs> that's kind of how Dota Two uh, is for me. I played the game like a lot for yeah. two years straight, and and basically I didn't stop playing it. I've like been playing it less, uh, mostly because I got madly addicted to another game that we'll get to in a little bit here. But uh, um, the... <laughs> I actually suffered the same. Thing. Yeah, I switched I, I... from League of Legends to the, I think the game you're going to talk about in a bit. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so I, I, I still could. I mean, I, I would happily just continue playing Dota two forever if I had no other responsibilities or games to play or things to do, and I, I could easily imagine I'll, you know, go, go back to it and so yeah. on. So. So it's just um the 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 sort of depth of of the design in that game is is really astonishing to me and and one of the things that I think you know games like that do get kind of a bad rap sometimes you hear about their toxic communities or something and I I don't really it, it's just really underselling what why those games are so good and I I, I to me I think what is so what's so fascinating if there's one thing to me that's like profoundly interesting about dota it's that it proves that accessibility in games is like highly overrated as 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 an as a component of what makes them successful yeah and and depth 
is is in reality the most important thing. And to me, that's really positive. So you hear about these games that sometimes, you know, oh, the developers are dumbing it down because they're trying to make it appeal to more people. And Dota 2 goes like in the opposite direction every step of the way. It's all about like making it a deeper game and 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 it's a hugely popular game. So yeah. I, I think that's great that there's so many people out there who are in fact very discerning around this and they, you know, when faced with plenty of other flashy you know, accessible games, they choose Dota, a game that is just raw gameplay depth uh, yeah. incarnate. There's certainly something to be said for MOBAs uh, in general, in terms of MOBAs are definitely up there as one of the most complex and complicated games to learn. Yeah, they have you know unique meta games. They ha- you know you have the the base game, each hero or champion, um, and what their skills are. What and then on top of that, what items or what skills yeah. go with them. And then on top of that, you have all the 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 positions. You know, you have your I- tank, your support, your assassin, your top, your mid, and then on top of that, you've got the meta game of what's currently popular at that time and yeah. then you've got the players that you're playing against it's this massive layers to exactly to the mobas but the- even with that it's still the most popular genre right player base in the world at the moment so as you said i really do think that accessibility is sort of it goes out the window when it comes to the yeah. accessibility in terms and- that they're free but it goes out the window in terms of gameplay yeah and it, and and certainly i don't i don't mean to suggest that accessibility is a bad thing i i I, you know quite uh, obviously not it's just i (laughs) i I like i i like that these games these games succeed on on the merits of their depth and complexity um they if they were not like these deeply fascinating games they would not be appealing to so many people so i i and i'm one of those people myself yeah Yeah, they're they're just i could they're games that you could play you know, for hours on end and just sort of lose yourself in the experience. And, and then when you're not playing, you know, it, spend as much time just thinking about it, kind of theory crafting. So that, that's a really yeah. powerful uh, combination. So obviously while you're in Japan, um, chilling on your mountain hut, you've got an internet connection. So you can play games like Dota and Clash Royale. Um, but you're not allowed to communicate with your other players uh, or your team. Yep. Is that okay? Yeah, I think it's all right. They have they have in game methods of communication uh, that that are non verbal of just like pinging the radar and I assuming things like that are acceptable. Yes, any um, in game mechanic that allows you to yeah uh, communicate I, like pinging the map or remoting or and that kind of thing is okay. Yeah, I I prefer such methods uh, anyway when I play those games. I I don't I don't like contrary to what it must sound like right now. I really don't like to hear myself talk i would rather not like i i like to i like to lose myself in in my video games and when i'm when i'm talking um i'm doing the opposite i'm very sort of consciously aware of myself when when i when i speak so um yeah it's i i like that uh games like dota 2 have tools to let me to let me communicate in ways that are like efficient to the experience and i don't but i don't need to i I like playing those games randomly and anonymously and and so on. I, I I'm actually not super big on like playing with the 
same group of people over and over, which which limits you know maybe how good I could ever be at those games. But yeah, there's, but I, there's it, definitely it, a consistency that you sometimes need to get into to progress. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind the kind of r- random round robin. Sometimes you pull, sometimes you're part of a super dysfunctional and terrible team, and other times it's really awesome. I, I that for me, that's like part of the um, part of the pleasure of not really knowing what the outcome of a given game is going to be. Also, no one can swear at you. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> well, no, no, no one can have a go at you for feeding or <laughs> something. <laughs> I'm sure they can find their ways. <laughs> Looking at a message in a bottle. <laughs> yes, game of innovation. <laughs> Stop feeding top, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> GG, BG. <laughs> uh, so, obviously, uh, MOBAs have sort of, well, it's, it's kind of started with StarCraft many years ago, but now esports is incredibly huge around games like dota uh league of legends counter strike that, that kind of thing uh, are you into watching uh the international uh, uh yes i am um i'm i'm one of those i'm i don't know how many people would sort of share this experience i'm sure there are some but i'm like i was never into professional sports much like growing up as a kid like i didn't and and here in the bay area in san francisco there's some pretty solid uh sports teams there's like the you know when i was growing up it was like joe montana's 49ers and the 49ers have been a good uh a number of years in the san francisco giants all the all these pretty storied uh sports teams and these days uh, the basketball team around here is is breaking all kinds of records but i never cared that much about any of that and yet um and yet in in recent years i've become really like incredibly interested in in watching um in watching professional dota and professional hearthstone and uh, uh professional street fighter and all all sorts of stuff like that i get really engaged with it um i i kind of watch a lot of it and 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 i find myself thinking like oh this must be what it's like <laughs> to be a sports yeah, I was going to say, does it help you sort of bridge the gap between why people like it sports? Do, it, it does. I mean, I've always. It's not that I don't. It's not that I haven't understood why people like sports. I've just never sort of felt it that strongly Yourself, myself. Yeah. Um, but I, but I do. Um, uh, I've sort of felt it most palpably around video games, which yeah. is not really a surprise in in <laughs> hindsight. But, but, um, but yeah, I, I do. Um, you know, again, again, a, a game like Dota Two, it's like it is capable of uh, pe- people can perform really superhuman feats within <laughs> that game um like like as extraordinary in its own right as like you know what someone might accomplish in the olympics or something it may not yeah. be as as obviously physically graceful uh as as like a as as what an as what like a traditional athlete does but but if you know the game yeah that's that's just what i was as long as you understand yeah and you understand what your limitations are personally and then you see other people just smash those limitations and you're like i never even thought that was possible in game because obviously in sports it's it's a lot more physical and you know crazy things can happen whereas a game sort of has a little more limitation to it Exactly, and Dota um, has this added dimension of like the teamwork. So you see people perform these, you know, incredible feats of 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 kind of reaction and and skill and foresight, while also coordinating like sort of flawlessly as a team. Like they're yeah. all kind of telepathically connected or something, and it's like 
it, yeah, it's so if if you know what's going on, some of that stuff is really extraordinary to watch. Yeah, I, I know exactly how you feel. For me, it's more of, I grew up playing, uh, well, for you, I guess it's soccer. For yeah. me, football. Yep. Um, I grew up playing football um, for many, many, many years. Uh, I still love it now. Still play it now. Um, and I knew that sort of fascinating, uh, being obsessed with your team kind of feeling and going through the highs and the lows. And when I started playing League of Legends, uh, surprisingly enough, there was a show on GameSpot about a League of Legends team called TSM. Yeah. Uh, and it was a, sort of a, a very much the first of its kind. Esports was kind of almost bridging, like getting there. It was getting over the okay. hump of being taken a little more seriously. And that show certainly helped put this one team on the map. And now they're one of the biggest. I started following them, started watching the, the you know, the championship series. And then Riot started putting a lot of money into yep. making it a regular sports program, essentially. Um and ever since then, it's amazing to watch. You know, currently right now, there's a tournament called the Mid-Season Invitational in, that's happening in China. It's huge. You know, half a yep. million people watching it. And it's crazy. You can really get enthusiastic about your team and what's happening on screen and all the, all the different players. And it's fantastic. And I, it yeah. definitely is exactly the same as supporting a, a soccer team or a basketball team. It's amazing. Have you ever actually been to the international yourself i have uh yeah yeah i've been i uh uh three times three times uh, did yeah, you did yeah. you happen to go to the first one i didn't go to, the first one was in uh was in germany yes uh, my, i my... actually went uh not purposely to go see dota but i ended up stumbling into where the international was happening <laughs> oh that's cool yeah <laughs> and my, i spent my most of my uh, afternoon uh when i was meant to be going to uh interviews and stuff uh <laughs> watching dota <laughs> yeah no a million dollars was on the line right it was like yes, the first really huge um event like that so um yeah we're the the other thing i i love about it I, I was actually just having this conversation with one of my colleagues is like the it it's uh esports e is like more international than than like athletic sports at this point like yeah. you you could still be you know a, a kid like playing basketball at your uh you know, like like in wherever at your local, your local gym or something, hoping to one day be in the NBA or something like that. Yeah. And so play for your favorite basketball team, but like you're still only playing other American teams at that point. Whereas some of these guys who get you know who get involved with uh, Dota or League of Legends, it's like they they just come from all different parts of the world and yeah. find themselves swept up in these international competitions. You know, flying to all corners of the world going on these <laughs> tournaments and they're and they're like in their you know late teens or early 20s so it must so be such young, a base. so young I, I i find that whole aspect like really like in, in a strange way the the path to superstardom i think is a little bit more available if you go in through not that that should be anyone's uh, motivation of getting into it but it's it's just really cool to me that like you could just be some kid from like vietnam or something what, yeah. like that suddenly you're on the international stage what i specifically uh, like about that as well is uh, it, uh you know unlike uh, basketball you could be the greatest player in the world but you, you might go completely unseen someone just right. may never notice you and then it, it it's a lot more difficult whereas you know in games like league of legends or dota you have like rankings yeah. and leaderboards and you can see who the best players are yeah because they're will at the get, top you will get yeah, noticed so it, if exactly. you are good you're gonna get picked up by a team yeah 
No, that's true. And it's, and the, that, um, then, then, you know, I think, I think a lot of players face these kind of personal challenges of, can they, can they sort of withstand the lifestyle? But, but the idea that you could be that good and then you're going to get a shot is, is really uh, compelling. It, it feels very, it feels very fair, right? And, and the, the, it does. the idea it of really fairness, does. It does feel the, fair. Like you are the best. You deserve to be yeah, there. So the idea that you could just kind of keep training and getting better. And if you get good enough, you will get noticed is, is really positive. Whereas I, I agree with like, with like professional athletics, it, it sometimes seems like that's less, uh, more, more out of reach for people though, though I suppose also true there. Uh, in a lot of cases yeah absolutely well there's not this like national leaderboard for all the young kids under yeah, 15 yeah. who it's, are really good at baseball or something like that it's harder it, it's maybe harder to measure than than just like the rank yeah than you know your mmr rating and dota 2 where yeah if you if you kind of get good enough then you're going to end up playing against professional players and they'll yeah be like, absolutely Man. yeah well that's awesome so we're going to move on to your next game now so let's listen to some music from this mmo game on your list greg is the persistent world science fiction mmo set in space that is completely player driven uh developed and published by ccp games and it was originally released in may of 2003 uh players are able to pilot customizable ships through a galaxy of over 7,000 star systems that are all connected via gates uh it's really well known for its sort of player community and how it sort of almost is autonomous and runs itself uh it's eve online yeah Eve Online is a weird choice for me insofar as I uh I have not played that game since when it launched and it's a very different game now. 13 um, years is a long time. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of like for me it's kind of like when I think about uh if I had no other burdens or obligations and then I could just like play but I could just play whatever I wanted. It's like, oh wait, I could. That would be the perfect time to get back into Eve Online, because <laughs> uh, Eve Online is like a more than many. I think a lot of you know massively multiplayer games have this sort of quality where it like it's almost a lifestyle choice, right? Like they can be really uh, engrossing and time consuming. But Eve Online is just its own weird animal and society, and you you sometimes if you're if you're kind of paying attention, there's sometimes these like incredible stories that spill out of that game about these massive like intergalactic disputes between, you know, these massive corporations yeah. that are all like real stories. They're not, you know, like crafted narratives. They're they're just like actual events that happen in the game's weird history. So it's just 
it's just such a fascinating and weird uh and and obviously like engrossing game and it's kind of it's a real slow burn and i think it always has been uh you don't you don't like actively it's the sort of game where you could just sort of set things to go and then you know come back to it after a couple of days (laughs) you can set things to go and play so uh, go and play some clash royale (laughs) yeah no that's right um but yeah eve online i think i think it's it's just uh, it's so it's so bizarre and and interesting and and it's this I I imagine if I was if I was trapped on 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 some island somewhere um there there's a sense of kind of desolation that can happen you don't you know you, you you'll find yourself wishing you were someplace else no matter how nice of a location you're in um and and Eve Online I think has that has that really like engrossing transportive quality where you the people who are into that game I, I'm sure they feel like they are leading separate lives in the world of that game where this like seems by to be, day, this yeah. seems to be such uh, an importance like because yeah, of the way the world is run it's almost like you're a cog in a bigger picture and if you're a big cog in that picture if you if you fail to live up to your responsibilities a lot of bad things will happen right and, and as you said it's almost like um living two lives you yeah, have two and- sets of responsibilities. It's not like your guild in World of Warcraft if you don't turn up for a raid. There's not that many consequences. But in EVE, if you don't fulfill your role, it feels like there could be real-world consequences in terms of like money or like the game is run on its own currency, but that is directly influenced by real-world money. So it feels like if you don't complete out your role, there could be huge consequences. Yeah, it's very right. It's very high stakes, and you have these again these stories of like, oh, this, you know, this ragtag band, you know, banded together and stole or destroyed, you know, one of the most expensive ships in the galaxy or something like that. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, what is what is going on in that game? So uh, the truth is, I don't even know uh, these days, other than these stories. I would just, I would just be interested to find out. So that, so it for me, it took a slot. Not because it's a game I, I um I actively uh, play and enjoy, but because it's one that like yeah it just just seems like I I could I could really dig into and I I suppose that's one where if you couldn't communicate with uh, with anybody that may be severely uh that may be severely limiting. I was um, gonna say I feel like in Eve. It- could, especially if you were spending all your time doing it and you got to be quite a important player, it could be very difficult for you to progress to the high reaching. Yeah, but I may not, I may not, I may not desire anything like that. I may be content with being, uh, you know, an anonymous, uh, just bandit of some, the equivalent <laughs> of like in a, in a Western film, the guy who shows up and doesn't say anything and just kind of like wreaks havoc yeah. or something like that. So I, I, I feel like I, I enjoy playing massively multiplayer games is sort of anti somewhat antisocially and like the, the player versus environment type of experience, which is not uh, the focus of a game like Eve, but uh, I, I, I would still take my chances there, I think, and, and try to try to find my place in that crazy, uh, universe even though i couldn't uh kind of directly connect with the people <laughs> i think uh i think the coldness of of space and the setting sort of makes it so that the interactions there are probably highly impersonal in general anyway so i may not be missing out on too much in that regard 
Is there anything you would actually want to achieve in EVE? Specifically when you read stories about it and you're like, oh, I would love to be involved with this or I want to get myself on that team or on that kind of thing. For me, it's more like a, I I think the appeal of it to me is more of like a, it's just more almost anthropological or something. I want to go there. I was going to say as a tourist, but that's not quite right. I I, want to just study that game. Um, It's so it's so alien in a way, right? It's yeah. just, it's just, just feels very like even the part where it's very like slow and methodical. I think just being being the equivalent of a fly on the wall in that world to yeah. me is like interesting enough. Even if I couldn't talk to anyone, just just seeing how people talk and how other people talk and communicate in that game is interesting to me uh, because it it is so that game more than. There are many games that like are sort of profoundly Im- impactful on people, right? And like 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 World of Warcraft or something like that. Yeah. Um, but 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 I think the way that Eve Online Eve Online uh, I think has like affected it, it. Just seems to have such a powerful grip over uh, people who are really into it. So I I'm just sort of curious to to like experience that um more directly than than i have in recent years wow you're gonna have plenty of time to play it yes while you're in Japan. exactly <laughs> so we're gonna move on to your next game now which is uh is it the first game that's not online yes it's yeah, uh it's a callback to an older time and a bit and uh, also on the strategy side of things as well so let's listen to some excellent music and dive straight into it So the next game on your list is the tactical RPG developed by Square and produced by Hironobu Sakaguchi. It was released in Japan for the PlayStation in 1997 and it received a North American release the following year, uh, set in the fictional medieval-inspired kingdom of Ivelis. It received excellent reviews from critics, and I know that you were one of those critics, uh, giving it, uh, I think it was an 8.9 back in the day. Uh, This is Final Fantasy Tactics. I must have... uh... I must have done better than that. I I want to say, but maybe not. But yeah, uh, Final Fantasy Tactics is uh, is eight point nine. It's eight. You gave it an eight point nine, my friend. Yeah, that that is. Yeah, that's, does, that's, does that need that, to be changed? That may have, that may have been. Uh, <laughs> I think it, I, I I think it was like a, I think it went down for for a botched uh, English translation or something like that. Okay, okay. I reviewed and anyway, it's. Uh, 
nevertheless, it's um, it's one of my all time favorite games. Uh, it's it stood out as one of my all time favorite games, like over time. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's like this. This is the game um, on the list on my list that 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 has all the kind of the narrative stuff for me. There, I talked before about how I'm content with most games that are like experience you know most story driven games i'm content to sort of live with the memory of them uh for example there's a game called planescape torment that's also one of my all-time favorite games yeah but that's not necessarily a game that i have trouble going back to that game by playing it um playing it like sort of with the standards of games being what they are today um some of the interface conventions and so on even just like the resolution of the graphics things like that make it make it harder for me to get into but final fantasy tactics for me has has that timeless quality where i could just it i've i've gone back and played through that game probably probably like five times i come back to it every like four or five years for 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 just which which i almost never do um but for some reason i have with that game and each time I'm a little bit worried because I'm like, is this going to be the time when I don't like love every aspect of this game? And the answer has thus far been no. And I and I and I love every aspect of that game. And it's so it's so strange. And the 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 story it tells is so like evocative and 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 detailed and tragic and just kind of emotional in ways that were so surprising to me when I first played it and and continue to really just have a big uh, effect on me whenever I whenever I play it. So it's a game that for me like kind of gets me every time as it were. Uh and and I found the gameplay itself since it's so like it's so open-ended because you can just sort of compose your group of uh kind of your your sort of war war band as it were and you could yeah. change all their jobs and all their equipment and all the stuff so you could play through it in all sorts of different ways and make it harder easier on yourself and it's not even it's not even like well balanced right like some there's some things you could do that are just super broken and overpowered and other things you could do to make it really weird and really hard to play but they're all interesting um every version of that i've found to be fascinating and and i just like i i just I just think it's a really one of a kind game. It's a game that they've made sequels to um and they it, the sequels have just never come anywhere near uh, capturing um what all of the things that were so special about the original okay. even though some of the sequels are quite good. Yeah, cuz uh Tactics Ogre is quite well revered. Well, that's that isn't that's technically a separate game. That's like a uh, tactics ogre isn't in the same. It's not in the same universe, is it? Yeah, it's ah, not. It's it's not like that. what? Um. Oh man, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess up on the on the history of it. But it's it's like what the I I believe the. I believe the designer of that game, is is. The oh yeah, yes, on. yes, you're right because you have um, you have vagrant story as well, which is kind of like a spiritual taking of the characters from Final Fantasy Tactics and then making an RPG out of it. Um, because that was made by the same development team as well. Yeah, though um, so that's a really that's also like a really different game. That's a yeah. really I I I like that's that not, game. That's not a tactics a game at all. No, but. no, yeah, it plays totally different. Yeah. Um, um, it, it's it's like a, it's a, it's like a beautiful game. I really I really like it, but it's not for me. It's not in the same. It's I mean, almost nothing is in the same league as 
Yeah, that's Final Fantasy Tactics. So, so which version are you taking with you to the island? Is it the PlayStation, oh. uh, the original PlayStation version, yeah. or is it the War of the Lions version? No, I would, I would go with the original PlayStation version. It, it was sort of War of the Lions is a little bit tragic because it's, it's got, it's got an ama- um The original PlayStation version of Final Fantasy Tactics has like a pretty poor uh, English translation, where some of it is, is like, uh like incomprehensible to the point of being funny which is really <laughs> not in tone with that game because it yeah. has quite a serious uh, story um whereas were the lions sort of re the the new uh english localization was really excellent it was it was just beautifully written and 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 very true to the spirit of the game but it had some technical issues it had like some slowdown and stuff like that that wasn't in the original version and and i found I found those slight inconsistencies with the original version to be like incredibly distracting. Um, even though if you've never, if you'd never played the original version before, they wouldn't be noticeable issues. But I was such like a purist that I noticed every every detail that was slightly off, and and the, and it and it threw me. Okay, I, I still played it anyway. Yeah, because <laughs> that's uh, that's the version yeah. I played as well. Um, I think maybe back in college, I was playing through that. <laughs> very good yeah. times very good times so tell me because this is one of the games on the list that you've actually reviewed can you remember reviewing Final Fantasy Tactics did did yeah. it sort of hit you then it, as- did, it, it did absolutely the 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 what hit me was like there was the depth of the uh what I remember saying about it was like in uh, so i i've loved the final fantasy games in general or at least i did back then um and but the 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 combat in them would would take on being sort of like an impediment to the pleasurable parts the combat you'd get into the random encounters or whatever as you're like slogging your way you really wanted to know what happened in the story and the combat like kept getting in the way and the thing <laughs> about final fantasy tactics was like here's a here's a game where the combat is like the like the best part the combat is like super interesting um because it's it's strategic and and it's really like open-ended and you you could develop your guys in all these cool ways and just like sort of theory craft how how you might develop your party and then actually go do it so have like long-term strategies as well as short-term ones so all that stuff was really rich uh and interesting so i i just loved that and then but then but then it was the story man the story was just crazy to me because uh, it it has this deceptive uh, presentation where the characters are it's these very doll like little characters. It it has the impression of being this kind of cutesy little game. Yeah, they're kind of like chibi versions of the characters. Yeah, aren't they? It's, it it has a disarming kind of art style, but the but the story is the stuff of like Shakespearean tragedy. It's like <laughs> it's like King it's like King Lear level brother against brother twisting the knife into people's backs and and they and and it's all like fully animated so you're seeing these cute little characters like with like beautiful handcrafted animation like drive daggers into one another's stomachs and twist them and like cough up blood and die and it's like and i'm playing this game you know as a i was a teenager at the time going like what am i what am i seeing <laughs> this is crazy it's so it was so intense and these characters who get like fired up into it's very um these days everyone knows game of thrones 
it it has a lot in it has a lot of that. It's very similar to Game of Thrones yeah. in its spirit, except except you know years before the show. So uh, and and done in it with with the kind of the flair of a Japanese uh, Final Fantasy game. Um, so so I had never experienced something quite like that before in a video game. So it's it it it's near and dear uh, uh, to me uh, in that regard, and just like sort of how uh, how attached I could get to certain characters and how how much I could empathize for certain antagonists as well, which is something that was very inspiring to me uh, in in my own work on video games. It's like, it's a game that made me uh, care a lot about a lot of the bad guys because they all had their own motivations and they all, and, and that was just, coming from playing games where the bad guys are just the bad, the bad guys are, you know, mean and ugly and they just hate everything. And that was good <laughs> enough. Yeah. And it's like in final fantasy tactics, the bad guys are human and they, they've lost things and they've had uh, people who they love die on them. And they are, they're fueled by, you know, revenge or yeah. righteous indignation, these kind of things. And it's like all that stuff just really makes you got feel pretty me. bad about facing off against them. Yeah, but like, and yet good about the whole thing because they just, yeah, it, it it's just had a level of character development in it that I had not experienced despite playing um, many uh, role-playing games. Fantastic. Well, we're going to move on to your next game now, yep. and it's uh, it's about high time someone chose this this game for their island. I'm very excited to talk about the next game <laughs> <laughs> and it's back to playing online free, uh, free games. Yep. <laughs> so let's listen to some awesome tavern music from the next uh, game and dive straight into it. Okay, so Greg, the next game on your list today is the free-to-play card game developed and published by Blizzard Entertainment, available on the iOS and the Android, as well as PC and Mac. Uh, It's received six expansions since its launch in March uh, 11th, 2014. It's an incredibly successful title for Blizzard and is constantly one of the highest viewed games on Twitch, and it has a user base that has reached 15 million people. Uh, It's a game I have a love and a hate relationship with. Uh, It's Hearthstone. Yes. Greg, yes. Hearthstone. Please please yes. tell me why. Oh, I can I can I can already guess why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but- I mean, it's a it's a game I I started playing Hearthstone um uh, uh right after I was finished with Transistor in May of 2014. So this is this is like right when it first 
it, it had been an open beta, I think, for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah and, it but it was right around the time it sort of launched officially. And I'm yeah. I'm like, well, I was I was kind of still trying to readjust to uh the land of the living again after having uh, worked on it <laughs> after having launched a, a video game and and um i'd been playing a lot of dota 2 for the last couple of years and i just i just kind of needed changes in my life in general and the idea of like hey i'll check out this card game this is maybe <laughs> or my or my speed right now um and i'd never um I'd actually never gotten into like Magic the Gathering or or kind of like physical collectible card games. Um, okay. I, I I have I have a lot of like awareness around them, but I never played them myself. Back to the part where I am not super social. I like didn't know people who were into them. I like I didn't have a group of people to play them with. That's probably the main reason I never really got into them myself. Yeah. So um, so I'm like, well, this will. I, I figured I would be sort of intrigued by the concept and, and Hearthstone just, it, it just like kind of grabbed me immediately. I found it very interesting and kind of a lot of the stuff that I was saying before about Clash Royale, like I, I really, I really admire games that are able to, um, to simplify, uh, to, to kind of present themselves in a simple way, but hide, a great deal of depth at the same time. I also like games like Dota that have no qualms about just being really complicated. <laughs> uh, so everywhere in between. But Hearthstone for me is one of those like you know the 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 old adage of uh, of like easy to learn, difficult to master, and so on. Yes, it's, absolutely. It's the the uh, Blizzard is a is a is a company that is uh, very very good uh, at 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 the craft of game making of just like making their games aesthetically appealing very kind of easy to pick up and start playing um and then to have like a lot of a lot of meat on them a lot of stuff to really uh sink your teeth into and um just sort of have a deceptive amount of depth to them and and i i just very much found that in in hearthstone and and just found myself in this whole world of collectible card games that you know i'd never really experienced before and and i and i know now you know how much of it is sort of derived uh from from magic the gathering and yeah and absolutely. so on but but uh but i think um i think some of the ways in which some of the design choices in hearthstone some of the ways in which it's a simpler game uh really uh appeal to me and and sort of help me get at the essence of what's interesting in those games and and i've just uh, you know, to make a long story short, I've been playing that game for more than two years now, like quite, quite happily. And that that's crazy to me. I thought it was I thought it was at a point in my life, you know, with two kids and stuff and and work and so on that. Yeah. that I that I could no longer. I just didn't think I could, like, get into competitive games anymore. Um, and yet a bunch of these games on my list and especially this one are these competitive games and i just i think maybe part of what i appreciate so much about them is that they are so different from what i work on day in and day out yeah the uh, the <clears throat> the sort of it's like when i was working on gta and when you yeah. when you come back all i wanted to do was like play mario uh, or something yeah. just, just entirely different to you probably uh, didn't want to play like saints row or something right? no yeah, not at all i didn't i didn't particularly want to touch any sort of game that had guns in it or 
any, anything like that. Like League of Legends, I played a lot of League of Legends during that time because it's just such an antithesis to what I was working on day in day out. Yeah, I think I think I find it, I I I think that is true for me with with something like this. Uh, but but I just I just find it. I I have a. I love just like memorizing all the cards and stuff. I I've always been, I think for me, it's part of the appeal of, of fighting games and real time strategy games. I just like, I like to learn what all the different playing pieces are in a, in a given game. Um, and, and, and it turns out Hearthstone has a lot of them. It's like hundreds of different cards to learn and keep it, you know, file away in the back of your mind and think yeah. about all the different ways that they could interact and all the stuff. So yeah. I just, the, 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 the style of play really appealed to me and 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 the free to play aspect of it also actually really appealed to me i've spent um almost no money i've only i've only um they have like their their big card expansions and they also have what are called adventures yeah the adventure like, wing where yeah. you can buy like all the wings and that kind of thing right so so i've i've purchased the adventures so i've spent a total of i guess like 60 dollars on the game over you know the price of one regular game <laughs> Uh, I I've spent on Hearthstone for a game that's oh man I'm glad I'm glad I have no idea how many hours I've actually spent on the game yeah I would it would be a terrifying number (laughs) it would be an absolutely disgusting number Dota 2 I know what the number is because Steam tells you it tells you every time you log in yeah yeah and it's and it's a disgusting number uh, for (laughs) Dota 2 is it past Uh, the thousand mark it's it's around there okay it's right around there yeah yeah so um and and Hearthstone the number is probably is probably quite a bit bigger than that at this point. Wow, fantastic. Because, because it's just you know, unlike Dota you you kind of commit yourself an hour at a time, but Hearthstone has this you know, again this deceptive quality of like, oh, it's only going to be about, you know, 7-10 minutes for a match. Yeah. It turns out you could <laughs> cram in a whole bunch of those matches and you could play it, you know, anytime anywhere at this point and putting the kids to sleep or all this kind of stuff. So I just I just it's just been my go-to game. Um it's a place that I can sort of I even like the 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 prof- the kind of the professional scene, I pay a lot of attention to the to the pro scene in that game. It's just kind of this whole different world that I lose myself in both when I'm playing it and when I'm not playing okay. it. Just kind of like uh, paying attention to what's going on in the game at large and what what uh, what people are doing with it. Um so I it seems like um it's it, it's gone through some interesting developments and in it's relatively short lifespan but it yeah, seems like now it it's a, recently had a huge change yeah where it's kind of split almost into two different formats similar right. to magic's legacy format yeah exactly format. where they they phased out some of their like older cards that were basically proven to have a bit too much of it they they could either go down the road of making new cards more and more powerful or they could go down the road of phasing out older cards and they they they've gone that yeah. route and and it seems uh it seems like a very like it's going to go through some bumps i'm sure but it seems like a good direction and and i i've been i've i was actually quite nervous about it um uh as as someone who you know had built up like a decent collection of of cards over over time and so on yeah. now they're saying i can't <clears throat> use some of those cards anymore but it's uh i i think it's been i've been really enjoying the those those changes overall so i i I think the game is a bright future and um i i can i can just see my 
I don't know. I need to like cut back on it, uh, <laughs> like for practical reasons. But I can see myself cu- coming back to this game just for just for a long time to come. Still, yeah. I just really really like it. So I haven't actually played Hearthstone since last summer, and okay. before that probably like not hard, like hardcore into it maybe last spring early early last new year um when the game came out and i I played the beta and i love the beta and i played the game um what happened is i actually injured my ankle while playing soccer back in 2014 in the, in the summer of 2014 and uh, i was off work for three weeks and i had nothing to do yeah so I decided to play Hearthstone like any normal person would. <laughs> and uh, I got incredibly, incredibly in- into it. And every day for three weeks was I would wake up, I'd turn on Hearthstone, I'd play Hearthstone, and then I would play it all day and then I would go to bed. And I just got so wrapped up in the meta and playing yeah. the games and uh playing ranked and that kind of thing and pretty much for like maybe four or five months after that coming up until like christmas of 2014 i was playing hearthstone like non-stop every day yeah. i'd get in from work uh as you said like i was working on gta 5 at the time and i wanted to play something different as well as playing league of legends i played a lot of hearthstone and uh I just was playing ranked all the time and it be and I I got to the highest I ever got was rank 3. Yeah. And it just it was becoming less and less fun because it was such a stressful experience trying yeah. to keep up with the meta because all I was playing was is ranked and since then I I still love Hearthstone. I watch it on Twitch all the time, but I haven't really been able to get back into playing it. For one, there is a lot of a lot of cards now, and I feel not knowing them like I did, like I knew every single card. Yeah, yeah. And now I don't. <laughs> That's like a little disappointing <laughs> in myself. Obviously, I wouldn't because I haven't played it. But um, it, I want I want to get back into playing it, but I just don't think I could ever play ranked again. It was it was a really odd time, and I wish I had the same self restraint that you did because I spent like maybe three hundred dollars. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I've really I you know if I if I just had all the cards, I think I would enjoy the game. In my I think with my personality or something, I think I would just enjoy it less in a way. Like I I really looked forward to. I liked uh, earning enough gold to like buy a couple of packs and then see what I got and just like playing with the stuff that I got. Um, and I would ne- almost never, um, I I would basically never disenchant uh, anything like that. I didn't have, uh, yeah. I, I would never disenchant cards that, cause you could, you could basically dump cards you don't want to yeah. make cards uh, that you do want. But I would, I, I like wanted to build up the collection and even though I'm never going to play this card, it's, I feel like it's cool to me that I just have it. Yeah, um, I think it, so, I think for me it was one of those things where I was building decks that I was reading about and uh, yeah, I was me- crafting sort of decks around the meta and there would always be maybe one or two cards missing. Yeah, and then yeah, you'd yeah. look and their dust cost would be huge and you're like, yeah, oh, God, I've got to disenchant loads of cards and then try and get this card. Yeah, so for me, I liked, I liked sort of... Uh, I liked being limited to to cheaper decks i liked to see what i could do with them and then i liked to slowly earn my way toward toward the good stuff and there was a point last year 
when I'd saved up a ton. Of, I, I'd basically saved up uh, enough of this resource that they call dust to to craft cards. I'd I'd been saving it for like a year, and I finally <laughs> crafted uh, the the Control Warrior deck, which is like one of the most expensive decks in so Hearthstone. It's like tons of legendaries. But I but I'm a free to play player. So and I felt I felt super awesome about that. Um, I I like made one of the most powerful, most expensive decks in Hearthstone without spending a cent on Hearthstone yeah. just by just by sticking with the game. And e- and I even yeah. spending even spending three hundred dollars, I still came nowhere nowhere close yeah, to that, being able to make the Control Warrior deck. It's just something that takes a a long time, no matter right. no matter what. Yeah, or like a, an incredible amount of luck if you happen to like. Get- <laughs> Yeah, exactly. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just um I I I really liked I really liked that aspect. Um and and uh, but uh, yeah, and, and just I, I see the part that you uh I think I think the 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 anxiety that you experienced uh playing ranked games and the the like noticing how the game can stop being pleasurable and start it can start to bring out like really negative feelings. I have certainly experienced yeah. uh, some amount of that um, as well, uh, but I don't mind falling back on like the casual mode or, or just sort of creating my own little challenges within the game or I'll play the arena. Like I really enjoy the arena mode as well, which is like a whole separate uh, game mode where you, where you p- create a random uh, deck um i basically when i start hating on ranked i find arena uh is a great place to go or so the game has just always had some sort of fallback for me and it's definitely had its ups and downs um but but for whatever reason i've stuck with it and i um yeah and i and i just i just uh really like it a lot kind of through thick and thin um it, it, yeah how how far have you got in ranked I, I have I have uh, achieved the legend rank. You uh, have times. wow, yeah, that's I, awesome. I hit legend twice. No, I fe- yeah, and I felt it was like a super like when I like hitting <clears throat> legend for the first time in Hearthstone was is like definitely one of my like more. It, it felt like a big. It was. It, it felt it, like it's an up there with your wedding. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. So no, but in in terms of my like sort of gaming accomplishments, it, yeah, it, yeah, it was a real sense of accomplishment. I was like, man, I finally like I I thought th- there's a guy I work with, um, who who's like a he, uh, uh, Gavin is one of the co-founders of Supergiant. He's he's brilliant. He's really good at strategy games. He's really experienced with Magic. Uh, he hit, he hit Legend at a certain point. Um, in, in Hearthstone, and I was like, "Yeah, that's something Gavin would do. That's not something that I can do." I didn't think that I had it in me. Um, but then at a certain point, I started getting closer, and I'm like, "Wait a minute, I'm actually pretty good at this game now. I know all the cards." Um, and and I and I've been reading what people say it takes to be able to do this. And you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can do it. Um, and and long yeah and in short i did and it was awesome uh it's a huge grind it's really tough there are people who do it every month i think that's i See, think that's pretty that's crazy the point. it's um, like <clears throat> i got to rank three and i was like trying to push for legendary i just couldn't keep up with having to every day 
log in yeah. and try. And I, I think yeah. even if I hit legendary, it would be amazing. But to then be like, I, I have to try and hit legendary every month. I just yeah, there's no re- there. Yeah, I so I've never felt that. I, I I get to I get to rank five every every month because there's like rewards attached for it now. So I get to I get to rank five like pretty comfortably every month. Um, and then just kind of bounce around play play cat so i yeah i find stuff to do in the in the game for sure and i watch streamers when i'm not playing it myself and just it's just a big uh that game is like comfort for my for my soul and has been for a while it's just a it's just a place i like to sort of retreat to um at the at the end of the day and sometimes at the beginning of the day as well (laughs) depending on the day with morning coffee yes (laughs) <laughs> you <gonna, clears throat> so you're going gonna to have to give me a lowdown of um what has changed and what has happened since I <laughs> I left. <laughs> what was the what was the expansion that you were playing on? What, okay, what so 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 Black Rock Mountain was okay. when I was yeah, yeah sort yeah. of starting to dwindle a little bit. Yeah, Natramus so was, was when I was like really playing massively um i did have i was gifted uh the grand kingdom expansion so i still actually have like 33 unopened packs oh interesting on my account and they're uh they're all grand kingdom cards um but since then there's been the legends of the explorers and now the uh the old gods has just come out yeah 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 so league of league of explorers was was great that was like a i i think that was like a positive turning point for the game you 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 actually you bailed at a time when the game was the game had a couple of low points one was around the time you you bailed which was probably when um the the grim patron deck was like pretty oppressive oh yeah the yeah that that guy yeah yeah exactly so so that there was a deck that was running rampant that would just like kill you out of nowhere and felt pretty unfair and and everybody grew grew to hate it um the game has had Blizzard has has um, purposely been, you know, they're not super fast about they they want the community to solve to solve their own problems in the game. They they feel that usually the tools exist in the game to like prevent any given deck or play style from being totally dominant. But but a few have snuck through and and the game could start to feel a bit stagnant. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, now with the new format, the the next Ramus cards are out of the rotation. So um, which which is good because it's good because they're really powerful cards, and they've been reluctant to make cards that are that powerful again, like Lepinome the, and uh, that spider. It was like a y- yeah, haunted creeper. And yeah, haunted Slugs creeper. Yeah. yeah, I I could talk about this for a really long time. <laughs> I, yeah, well, you, but yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a different. I you know, it's a good it's a good time to try it again if you're so inclined because because I did I did I updated yeah. it last night. Yeah, well, I updated uh, last night. I was like, I'm talking to Greg today. We're going to talk about Hearthstone. You know, I love this game and I hate it at the same time, but I really want back in. So <laughs> I'll check it out yeah. and see see what's going on. So I'm, I'm, I didn't play any games last night. I'm going to have a look through my collection. I've still got 33 unopened yeah, packs. Yeah, you should open those. Those packs probably have more like that expansion is like better now by virtue of them having rotated out some of the other cards. So okay. you get some good stuff in there and yeah. It's, and then I'm going to, I'm going to, and, gonna and the new expansion it. is the new expansion is cool too. They, they just like keep coming up with inventive new ideas for cards that are, you know, they're funny, they're exciting. Yeah. Um, 
they, they uh, yeah, the game is, I, there are just not, there are very few games I've played in my life that have like held my interest for, for, for this long. It's, it's, it's actually crazy to me that, that I'm like still as engaged in, in this game after all this time. Fantastic. I'm going to have to get Ben Brode on this, this show at some oh, time. Yeah. Ask oh. him what, ask him if he'd take Hearthstone with him to a deserted island. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he would. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think I think so too. I think if you made your own card game, where you could you know the ins and outs of it, beating people online all day would be kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna move on to your next game, Greg. So let's. It's completely different from the online games we've been talking about so far as well, um, and it's a bit more of a callback to an older time in gaming. Uh, so let's listen to some music and dive straight into it. Okay, Greg, so the next game on your list today is a vertical shoot-em-up developed by famous shoot-em-up designers Treasure, released only in yeah. Japan originally for the Dreamcast. It did receive a worldwide release on GameCube later with subsequent ports for the PC and Xbox 360. Uh, it received fantastic reviews on release and is ranked as one of the greatest shoot-em-ups ever created. It's Ikaruga. Yes. Greg. Yeah. Please Ikaruga. tell me why Ikaruga is on your list. This... Uh... This is a game people talk about people sometimes talk about like art games or or whatever to to me to me there's something i I don't necessarily uh play games thinking that oh this is a work of art or or whatever i don't that's not like how my mind pro- processes this stuff and yet with Ikaruga, I kind of make an exception. Uh, that that game to me is just as a as a as an aesthetic creation. Yeah. As 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 like a is just is just sublime to me. It is it is it is amazing to me. And and it's similar uh, to actually to Final Fantasy Tactics. It's a game that my appreciation for it, which was immediately very high when I first played it, has only grown. Um, and and as I come back to that game, it just continues to just sort of boggle my mind uh, how how the 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 specific ways in which it is crafted. Um, I grew up playing all sorts of arcade games, and back then, um, the the kind of the space shoot 'em up genre was was very popular. These games, like uh, you know. Like later than like Space Invaders or whatever, but there's like yeah. Galaga and you know uh, Gradius and those kind of 
Raiden and, and uh, stuff Radiant like that. Silvergun and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you like went into an arcade, chances are there was a game that involved, you know, flying up or to the right and, and shooting stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and, and Ikaruga is like way, it came way later than most of these games, but completely like reinvented the way that like the central mechanic of, of that game completely forces you to reapproach how those games are played. It's this kind of polarity system where um, everything in the game is kind of binary. It's either light or dark. So there's like light uh, blue bullets and there's red bullets. And you, you have a button where your ship can also change polarity. And basically you're immune to half the bullets in the game at any given point. Yeah. Um, and you, and you could just add at, at, at will switch polarity. And, and so the game takes on almost this, like this, like hypnotic, like puzzle, like quality as you're having to navigate through these like massive fields of death <laughs> where only some of it is death. And the rest of it is like, the rest of it actually helps you because you absorb same colored bullets and they power up your whatever your your homing lasers that sort of thing yeah um and then there's this whole the scoring system in that game is like incredibly fascinating also um where it, it's 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 an extremely difficult game just to get through uh but then you realize that once you once you can if you can even do that if you could just like survive one of the levels in the game you realize you're actually only at the at the very beginning of like the skill of that game, because there's a whole system that rewards you for, for destroying enemies in a certain pattern. Yeah. Um, and, and there are videos online of people playing the game proficiently that are just, again, it's just insane. You know, that's not an esports game or whatever, cause it's not competitive, but, it, but man, it's the same level of like, the people who are good at that game it's it's like an extraordinary feat of like just the human. reactions you need to know to be able to visually yeah. take in what bullets are coming towards you and then or, being able to change it i, I just yeah, can't even I, see it well i don't do even it. and i don't even know if it's reactions at that point it may be complete memorization right or like like 90 percent of it may be memorization yeah the thing is to to have M muscle memory that's so refined because it's so you you need like surgical precision to to excel in that game so so to me it's it's like again i i i appreciate games for a variety of reasons and there's there's like all this kind of experiential narrative stuff on one side and then there's all the kind of mechanical stuff on another side and and ikaruga is somewhere toward that end of the spectrum and and yet also aesthetically it's just really it's it's incredibly there's something to me that's very moving about that game which is strange because it has no real story um but but it it's just it has that basic premise of like you're the last best i don't even i don't even know it has like a, a kind of an expressive uh story but it ostensibly it's just your yeah. ship against alien. Yeah, it, it's essentially but, just this barrage of <laughs> things yeah, happening to the, you with no exposition, really. But there's something about it to me that it, it just has uh, a richness and depth to it that I that I find is just uh, just sort of humbling or something. I don't know that ga that game. Uh, 
it's strange that game that game like makes me emotional in a way which i don't even i i it's it's hard it's hard to explain it it, it is and that's why i come back to my original remark that i i experience it like a like like i experience a moving work of art yeah. um and, and when i when i when i play that game i know that i on one hand i think that no matter how hard i try i'll never be truly that great at it which is actually <laughs> something that, that that a number of these games on my list uh have in common but 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 Ikaruga is is a game about like like there's something uh it's there's like a righteous indignation to it it's like a go down in a in a blaze of glory kind of game of just like go and one of the, one matter. of those games where you sort of turn on try and get as far as you possibly can without really yeah. thinking about it and then you just be surprised sure. the way you end up yeah you kind of grit your teeth through it and and i have i have finished that game um and the ending is like crazy uh it's very short but it but it ends in the most appropriate way possible for what that game is and so i i just yeah i come back to that game um that's one of those games it it was surprising it was surprising to me that that i that i thought of it for this list and then it made perfect sense of like you know what this is a game that if you told me today that I could never play that game again, I would, I would get very, I, I would like feel afraid or something like that. With most games, it's like, oh, it's fine. I have the memory of it. But Ikaruga, I want access to that game. Yeah. Because uh, I think it like, there are times in my life where I, I've played that game and it's helped center me. It's helped me sort of regain perspective. Gives you a sense things. of stability. Yeah. Almost but, like but a safety, more, safety net kind of thing. Well, like it's, it's not it's actually not that it's like it, it it's it's more it's more like contemplative and meditative it's just it's a game about like perseverance okay it's a game that when i when i like lose when i lose hope uh and i'm prone to that um i that's a game that can can convince me that i can still push through um th- through like through the raw experience of playing it so yeah uh i i I think i like um i like it for 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 many superficial reasons but but for some reason but i have these sort of it connects with me on a personal level in a way that i uh i'm obviously having some trouble kind of articulating it's very very strange words right out of your mouth (laughs) yeah it's very strange to me that it has that it's it's kind of an unassuming game um i it's not it's not an 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 obvious choice in this regard and yet it's a game i i've come to feel very strongly about it has such an incredible reputation with the people who have played it though um it's uh, i've played it a few times on the gamecube and i remember um I've never really been. I kind of missed the boat when it came to like bullet hell shooters. I played a yeah. few of them, especially most recent ones um, made by Cave, like Donpachi yep. Resurrection and stuff yep. like that for the Xbox 360. Um, but I remember playing Ikaruga and just being like, "Wow!" It, the, the, although it is a manic and crazy, uh, almost assault on the senses, kind of um, the the feel of it. It's very smooth and just, uh, as you said, it's hard to articulate what is makes it feel so good. Uh, it just kind of is. This is sort of you it gets you into a zen-like state. 
Yeah. Where you just I, sort of I, sit there and you just constantly changing and you're sort of just zoning out a little bit, focusing on something, and you just sort of start meditating about what's happening on yeah. the screen. I think it's a very I think it's a very like soulful game more than I I I, I like I like shoot 'em ups and bullet hell shooters kind of in general, but there there's there's an aesthetic to to Ikaruga that is 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 quite unique I think among among games in that genre and it, it's it's difficult um yeah it's difficult to describe but yeah the way the way that that game asserts itself is is really uh I find very very kind of disarming so I'm glad it's out on Steam and stuff like that I don't need yeah. to like dig out a GameCube when I can <laughs> I can uh I can I, I yeah so I come back to that game from time to time and just at least play the play the fir- first level of it for all time's sake Fantastic. Are we going to be seeing any bullet hell shooters coming out of Supergiant anytime soon? Oh, I, 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 I doubt, you know, just, just because I'm, I, I'm into stuff like that. I can't, it's, it's the sort of thing that it's hard to, I don't push that stuff on other, I, I think a lot of my colleagues, they can't, they can't necessarily relate to this stuff the way I can. <laughs> we all, we all have the, the games that do that, that, that have that thing for us. Right. So I, I don't know that I, I don't know anyone else personally who feels about that game. I know there are people out there who feel this way about it. There are a lot of people, but I don't know any of them personally. Fantastic. So we're going to move on to your next game now, which is uh, getting back on the competitive edge of things. And it's also the most recent game, discounting Clash Royale, uh, the the biggest uh, release uh, that's come out on your list. Um, So let's listen to some music and uh, dive straight into it.
The next game uh, on your list, Greg, is developed and published by Capcom and directed by the lovely Yoshinori Ono, who I've had the pleasure of meeting uh, a few times. He's a lovely chap. Um, it was released worldwide for the PlayStation 4 and PC on February 16th of this year. It's the latest game in the popular fighting franchise, Street Fighter, featuring four new characters, including all favorites like Ryu, Ken, and Bison. I actually received a pretty mixed response on launch due to some negative feedback about the amount of content in the game, um, but overall the gameplay was uh, praised for pushing the sort of series a bit more forward. Uh, Greg, it's Street Fighter Five. Yeah, yeah. So th- this was a this was a difficult. I had to include. I could have had a list of just eight fighting games easily, um, and I had to I had to put a fighting game. Fighting games are really important to me and uh, a style of game that I've I've just. I it probably the um this may be surprising for to those who know me like from my work on games or whatever but I probably spent more time playing fighting games than any other type of game. Okay. Um uh so I love fighting games a lot and have played them since they existed. Um so there and and so Street Fighter 5 it's not that I think it's the it's not that I think it's the best fighting game ever made it's that it's the one that i'm playing currently and i really and i really like it a lot despite some of those issues yeah um, which which are which are super valid um i i i i both love that game and am frustrated by it because i think <laughs> i i wish i i have this rant that like if only if only there was a company with like the the infrastructure of a company like riot that made a fighting game like Street Fighter V because the 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 play experience is there the gameplay is there um and it's so refined and had so much and, and so smart um but the infrastructure of it as like an online experience is behind the curve yeah. relative to these really like advanced online experiences which have all made their way onto my list uh sure enough you know from from your hearthstones to your clash royales to your dota 2s those are games where um and obviously league of legends um i'm more dota than league but you know it could have could have swung the other way i suppose but uh <laughs> the, the the those games like the game itself is one part of it but the but the kind of the ease of use the way that you can seamlessly get into matches is so vital to how good they are um and it is that is not necessarily a strong suit of street fighter 5 or of any fighting game ever unfortunately um maybe there have been some there have been some exceptions there have been some but but nothing obviously there there's nothing that's been on the level of like a the the robustness of like yeah. a league of legends so that that's my like sort of pet peeve or like, like as as a as someone who loves fighting games i wish that they um their their online infrastructure was was further along cuz in many ways it's like the original sort of quote unquote esports genre it's like a genre that is entirely about competition um more more than more than most um uh but 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 the but anyway the uh, all, all that all that aside um i 
I've like I said, I've been playing games, fighting games, basically since I was a little kid, and they've always like brought out. I've just always enjoyed them in the same way. They still get me the same way they always got me. I get I get really, and I'm I'm actually hearing myself describe a number of these games. There are aspects of uh, Dota and Hearthstone that 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 tap into that for me. Um, they they actually I thought I thought they like supplanted fighting games for me. Uh, when I got into those games, but then yeah. Street Fighter Five rolled around, uh, and I and I and I just really enjoy it. Um, and uh, I felt similarly when Street Fighter Four came out uh, a number of years ago. Now I was surprised at how much I enjoyed Street Fighter Four. I thought I was past the point where I was capable of enjoying a new Street Fighter game the way I used to. But yeah, because I was nope. going to ask you how you felt about Street Fighter Four, um, because I, that I, was I, a game I dedicated almost the same amount of hours that you've dedicated to dota on i spent yeah. most of my university years playing street fighter 4 with friends yeah that's awesome i lo- i loved it it was way better than i expected i i i was i was actually blown away um the they added like the uh, like a or whatever i it depends on how many fighting games you played before that but the the whole thing with street fighter 4 was they added one type of move the 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 focus attack right yeah uh and that was like to me it was revelatory <laughs> i've i've been playing fighting games for for like f- what i mean street fighter 2 is in 1991 yeah um and i've been playing i played street fighter 1 even um as a as a little kid so i've always liked video games about two people beating each other up for whatever reason um but but the, the the kind of the one main like mechanical change in Street Fighter Four I thought I thought was like incredibly interesting and it made me completely uh, like reapproach so much of what I've learned over such a long period of time it was just crazy to me so I was really impressed uh, by what they did with that game mechanically and and I thought the present and and just the fact that they made a three D fighting game feel as good as a two D fighting game I was really impressed. Uh, I didn't, I, I was very, as sort of an old school fighting game player, I, I was pretty skeptical that, that 3D could sort of capture the, the feel and the flavor of, of the 2D classics. Cause I'd seen it not done well before. Okay. Uh, and, and five, five is really on the level for me. Uh, I, I really find a great deal of, I, I find a great deal of depth and kind of intrigue in five's mechanics as well. And just have enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed a Street Fighter game in many years. And I, I, you know, it, it sort of, I'm, I was hesitant to put it on this list again, because I, I actually, since it got off to a shaky start, I don't know how bright of a future this game, I, I, I fear. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't sell extent. very well either. Yeah. It didn't do that well out the gate. So that's, that makes me really, it's so frustrating because the game deserves it. The game, the 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 game. It's a really really good game. It just had a rocky online start and then didn't have other content other than its online content. So yeah, that to it, these days that's a death sentence, you know. But but um, but I've kept playing it, um, and the game itself I think is awesome. And and uh, so I I have I have faith that uh, it'll it'll sort of move past it, it the will, rocky start and yeah. it's been picked up by the like competitive community. Yeah, so. I was gonna say that. that it, it is still seemed it's seemingly still being enjoyed quite a lot by yeah. the community and 
if anyone knows anything about the fighting game community, they are the most vicious, most loyal <laughs> group of people, the group of gamers, um, that as long as Street Fighter V is enjoyed by those people, it will be alive and, and well, and it will have a core audience. Yeah, and and it's it's just, you know, as 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 is the case with several other games I've I've mentioned, it's just for me the depth is there. It's a game that I can I can practice at indefinitely and and never quite reach um like the limits of my abilities basically. So, it, it, there's just so much to it. So Obviously, a lot of these games are competitive, and there are there, especially apart from maybe Dota, a lot of them are pick up and play, like Street Fighter rounds, very short, yep. Hearthstone match, very short, Clash Royale, very short. Um, do you, uh, being someone who uh, whose job for eleven years was to review the latest AAA release or the latest game? Um, do these, uh, especially with your life now of working on video games, um. Do you not get round to playing many AAA releases? Not AAA, but many big releases um, these days. And as, oh, do, do these sort of competitive games sort of get in the way as well? Like maybe when, like, obviously Uncharted 4 is around the corner. Um, a lot of people are going to be playing that. Is it sort of, do do I play Unchart- do I sit down and play Uncharted 4 for a few hours? Or do I just sort of pick up Hearthstone and play some Hearthstone instead? Yeah, so I so I still um I I absolutely so, so I I love the Uncharted series for example. So I'm totally there when that game comes out in a couple of days. Um <laughs> it's uh, I I will have to sort of pull myself away from Hearthstone a little bit to to like play it, but it's not um I I I still play I think again for me it comes back to like the the premise of this challenge being about um what would I play if I could play nothing else um and and so and so okay. I I have a certain it, it, so it's so it's misleading in a way like, it, like it's normally, not actually it's not actually uh reflective of what your normal day-to-day life is like th- that's that's right other than playing a lot of hearthstone uh but, but uh, the, the the part where like normally you know my favorite games in recent years include games like you know i love like bloodborne i love the last of us i love witcher 3 um i play a lot of stuff like that 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 is like you know considered triple a and i yeah i i love a lot of smaller independent games too papers please um uh just i i i loved um um, her story last year um so 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 i i i've always enjoyed games large and small um it's just you know most games i can play through in a reasonable amount of time and then move on and hopefully the the positive impression that they create sticks with me for a long time to come like something like a papers please or a her story those are very memorable games to me but they're not games that i would you know take with me yeah <laughs> uh forever and ever there are games where i'm like happy to have have the have the memory of them whereas whereas for me fighting games uh or games like dota or hearthstone are those games that i could just i could just return to endlessly um and just keep finding a new a new version of that experience there yeah um and and so i i, I just re- and and for me fighting games are like sort of my um 
I, I came into Dota and came into Hearthstone and stuff like that relatively late, and fighting games are are my first uh, true love in that regard. <laughs> and and um and my I think my love for for other competitive games um comes as a result of my of my love of fighting games. Um, okay, but I would I wish I could take like the whole you know Neo Geo library with me or something like that, like Garo, Mark of the Wolves, and Samurai oh yeah, Showdown I, and all those kind of things. I I loved the Neo Geo so so much. It's <laughs> it's actually my it's my all time favorite uh, console like by by a lot. Well, like, we have a sort of end question um, that might shed some more light on that love in a little bit. But for the time being, we're going to move on to your final game. Your final game in the list today um and it makes sense it certainly makes sense the replayability is there in this next game especially with a new expansion coming later this year uh so let's listen to some music and dive straight into it The final game on your list today, Greg, is Blizzard Entertainment's huge MMO juggernaut that basically changed the MMO genre forever. Um, it's the fourth game set in the Warcraft universe, and it was released on November 23rd, 2004 for PC, and takes place in the fictional world of Azeroth. Since its release, it's seen five expansions, with a six, you know, set later uh, to be released later this year. At its peak, World of Warcraft had over 12 million players. Since November of 2015, it's now sitting around 5.5 million, which is a crazy, crazy number. Um, Greg, World of Warcraft, you reviewed it. Um, yeah, you were one when. of the lucky people in the world who actually played the beta as well before the game came out. Uh, please tell me why you've chosen World of Warcraft as the final game on your list today. Yeah, it was, you, you know, I felt I felt a little, it, it felt like a, uh, I don't know, like a, a bit of a lazy choice or something. I already have <laughs> EVE Online on there, but but it was like, but again, approaching approaching the question from, from just a, uh, a very like uncreative, very like practical point of view, and then thinking back on my on my experience with that game because I I played it uh, not nearly as much as a lot of people, but I I played it solid for like a year, um, which and at the time I was working at Gamespot, so these days I can more afford to like just kind of spend my time playing games that I want to play only, yeah. Um, uh, whereas there, I I just had to I had to move on. Like even if I played a game I really enjoyed, that there was like another assignment coming up behind yeah, it. Yeah. So, uh, and yet World of Warcraft um stuck with me as much as uh, as much as any game ever ever could at that point. And and it was just so um it wasn't the first 
such experience. I had a really profound experience uh, playing a game called EverQuest uh, in 1999, which okay. is which is the big influence on it's it's the very kind of overt influence on uh, World of Warcraft. Yeah, that, if that, uh, that anyone was, who has yeah. uh, seen the World of Warcraft documentary "Looking for Group" will know the the Warcraft team describe EverQuest and uh, a few other games of that time being basically what they copied. Yeah. <laughs> They're very open about saying, "Oh, we really really enjoyed this game, so we wanted to take what made that game good and make our own game." Yeah, though th- th- I mean, though again, like kudos to them because they uh, EverQuest was a was like was so raw and 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 the blizzard team recognized they they had the kind of intoxicating experience with it but they recognized that there's a way to take that and and refine it and make it easier uh for just make it more approachable and make it more uh, frankly more pleasant um (laughs) for lack of a better (laughs) term and and that's exactly what they did and 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 just the world, world of work, you know, it was such a, it's such a huge, at this point, it's such a big game with so much stuff to it that again, when I, when I think of, when I like fantasize about a scenario in which I, I'm, I'm relieved of duty, I have nothing to do. Uh, all I get to do is just play games and and in fact there's no, there's little else for me to do besides that which <laughs> game would i want at my side you know what that would be a great time to get back into world of warcraft yeah uh, the, uh, because it's a game that you could just live you could live your life in that game pretty much and and it could be a pretty decent life um there there's there's a lot of cool stuff to see and do in that game and yeah you know i i'd once again be limited from uh, communicating directly with players but hey i'd play on a role-playing server as like a mute character or something like that uh maybe that would work i'd use only the emotes in the game <laughs> like a mime <laughs> yeah exactly it, and and it would totally work because you could play that game solo and it's fine um and i i just i i always enjoyed that universe i i really loved the the warcraft games uh, prior to world of warcraft it's it's sort of a uh, an ironic uh, shame that World of Warcraft sort of killed the tradition. Uh, like if they ever make like a Warcraft four, I would be very surprised, right? Like the idea of them going back to like a Warcraft real time strategy. Yeah, it was it was such a drastic change that no one, well, apart from people who played maybe Warcraft three, which was huge. Um, no one uh, instantly when you say Warcraft, Warcraft one, two, three, and an RTS, and not what comes to mind. Uh, instantly everyone's brains go to the mmo so yeah. they did kind of kill it they they kind of killed their own successful rts franchise yeah. but then uh, they uh, have starcraft so yeah yeah is so but but at any rate i i think i think for me it's just like again that you know as i as as we've talked through all these games and i'm and i'm starting to like observe some recurring themes through them myself that i wasn't necessarily conscious of uh it it's this it, it it is truly the definition of a game where you could you could you could lose yourself in it you can just sort of leave your worldly concerns behind and just yeah. become totally immersed in this other sort of fully realized environment and whatever your and and just deal only with your trials and tribulations in in that in this world that they've created and and forget 
uh, the reality around you. And, and that, that kind of raw escapism uh, is, uh, is appealing to me um, about games. It's always appealed to me. I've, I've enjoyed it. And, and, I, and I don't know that I've played a lot of games that do it better uh, than, and sort of in a more expansive way than World of Warcraft. I haven't kept up with it over the years. I was going to say, um, what much. was the last expansion you were playing? Not avidly, I, but definitely bought and uh, enjoyed for maybe a couple of weeks or something. I, I played like, and it, and it was still only a little, like Wrath of the Lich King was the last one I like played a chunk of. And that was like a while ago at this point. Yeah, that um, was a very long time ago now. <laughs> yeah. So so again, I, I really, I really uh, like, like I, I sort of kept paying attention to the game, but I stopped playing it uh, after, after the first year. Okay. Um, so, so for me, part of it is like the idea, it's almost like a vacation idea. It's like, Hey, I could go back to that game. That sounds nice. Um, <laughs> it'd be, there, it'd be pretty good actually, because there's, there is a lot of content there now. There's exactly. what, there'll be four expansions since when you actually yeah, exactly. last played. There'd be so. so much, there'd be so much stuff to do. So it's like super high value. Uh, if I'm, if I'm stuck with, uh, it's a game that has demonstrated, uh, that it can, you know, keep people engaged for year after year so it, it's like seemed kind of like a surefire pick uh from the perspective of like yeah. here here's a game where if i if there were very few games i had access to but i had limitless near limitless time to play them then i think yeah it would be it would be near the near the top of uh, uh among games i would want to be able to just spend spend my time with because there's just so much stuff to do in there at this point and and blizzards uh uh their their grasp of of the craft of game making of just like making interactions in their worlds feel pleasurable and and rewarding and satisfying uh they are very very good at that um in in pretty much everything they do so it was something i really admired um about world of warcraft at the time and still admire now could you tell me a little bit about reviewing that game at that time? Because yeah. 2004 was a time when yep. internet was still inc- embarrassingly slow and uh, we were sort of hitting this revolution of the PlayStation 2 could go online, yeah. the Dreamcast tried it, um, and we had some MMOs like EverQuest. But there was nothing like we have now where you know you can instantly yeah. find people and stuff. What was the sort of settings like uh, for... I imagine for the review you did stuff like the Anixia raid and that kind of thing. Um, what was it like? Well, so for me, it was a pretty, so it's a pretty memorable, uh, it, it, it was, so I, I, I rated World of Warcraft very, I gave, I gave World of Warcraft a glowing review. I thought it was an incredible game when I played yeah. it. I was blown away by that game. And, and I remember, because uh, we, we had sort of a peer editing process, my colleague, it, 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 when I sort of put forth this review of that game, as we're kind of going around at our editorial team, uh, it raised a bunch of eyebrows uh, where my colleagues are like, dude, really? Like, it's that good? Are you kidding? <laughs> like, are you kidding? Because because we a bunch of us had played EverQuest. They're like, dude, it's EverQuest with good graphics, right? And I'm like, yes, but like, <laughs> it is, it is so much more, it is so much more than that. Um, it's, it's like, it it, it was, so it was this kind of, um, this internal debate 
the the other thing was like it had a direct competitor at the time in in EverQuest two. Yeah, and 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 I uh, I I we I uh, I'd played a bunch of EverQuest two as well, and and EverQuest two was it was it was a good it was a really good game, and it got like it got a solid review from us. But it, so my colleagues are like, dude, is this really? You're saying this is that much better? You're saying this game is in a totally different league, and I'm like. Yes, that is exactly what I'm saying. I, for me, I felt like I had a crystal ball of like this game is going to be enormous. I felt like I, <laughs> I could see it. I could see it coming. It was it was crazy. I'd never played anything like it. the The kind of the seamlessness of the world um, was was for me the biggest part. That that you just you just uh, you could just go anywhere and and without any like load times or interruptions that was just an extraordinary aspect of that game and then yeah these kind of instanced uh adventures with like kind of crafted content in them that was what really set it apart um from the from the competition and and even like the art style and stuff and some of my colleagues were like you know everquest has so much more detail such like a higher polygon count are you really you, you know after after two years, do you really think like World of Warcraft is going to be the better looking game? And I'm like, yes, absolutely. This is the game that that like it has such a defined art style. Uh, like th- th- this art style is going to last over a long period of time. Whereas games that push polygons, those are the ones that look dated after a couple of years. They do. They look um, and pretty bad yeah, when and, you look at old screens of EverQuest and EverQuest Two. Yeah, so it's not so, pretty. I mean, I, I I think I I feel. I mean I I mean in one hand I don't think it was like a, I don't think it was a d- difficult to call because the game was just that good. Um, but but on the other hand I I, I felt pretty vindicated in in the coming weeks when when that game just absolutely exploded. Yeah. It did have a lot of problems at launch. Um, it was the sort of thing where. You, you know, we'd given this game a really good review and then like for a number of days, people had a lot of trouble like even getting into it and playing it. So that that was unfortunate, but it was also indicative of the of the demand to play it. And, you know, once once all those issues got smoothed out. Yeah. Um, in the in the following weeks, then it was just this explosive hit um, and, and uh, it was. Uh, yeah. So um, it, I, I only stopped playing. Well, I stopped playing it because I hit max level and then the kind of time commitment that it demanded was was not one i was willing to make like in order to go on big did you have like a regular guild and all that kind of no i didn't i played it i played it as a rogue and i i basically soloed most of my way through it which was another thing i really enjoyed about it that that was even an option um so i i i really enjoyed kind of lone wolfing it through that world um playing on like pvp servers and having these like weird interactions with people of the opposing faction sometimes killing them sometimes getting killed by them sometimes (laughs) sometimes just waving to them and passing them by and there were these kind of incredible little social interactions that could take place in that game um the 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 yeah there was really uh you know all despite its similarities to games i'd played and enjoyed uh on some level there there was nothing like it that i'd ever played 
Fantastic. Well, I love hearing stories about World of Warcraft. Um, yeah. I'm someone who played a lot of it, but like you, uh, sort of not as much as, you know, the, the hardcore of the hardcore in yeah, any yeah. way. I really enjoyed it and I did a lot of solo own too and played a lot of multiplayer. Um, I just love hearing stories about it because it is such a, a world you can live in. It's its own persistent world with its own social etiquette and just its own little quirks that, uh, people have such varying experiences while playing it that it's always it's always fascinating to hear what people think of it yeah well greg so now is the time that you are being cast off to the mythical land of japan all right to live in your cave with hearthstone clash royale ikaruga and world of warcraft and all all those wonderful games you've spoken about today to become the competitive master because that's now your goal is to become like a monk on a hill who is just yep. good at everything. <laughs> instead of like, uh, yeah, instead of like practicing martial arts, I will yeah, just practice become virtual the, martial arts yeah, instead. Become the number one Clash Royale player in the world yeah. <laughs> without spending any money as well. Because <laughs> you've, <laughs> yep. you've got none. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, Sounds good to me. So the last question I ask, and you sort of hinted at this before, is um, if you could take any console with you, Including the back catalog, because consoles oh, are built yeah. off their back catalog. Um, so you get all your, you get all your other games, and you and you get the console to access that one game. So that doesn't really count. But if you could choose one console with the entire back catalog, backing it up, what console would you choose? Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, the yeah, the it, it's very tempting to say the Neo Geo. The thing is, the 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 catch is. Um, it's it's basically a fighting game console, and for sure, and as much as I did enjoy playing those games, uh, single player, uh, for sure, their yeah. their true their true potential is in playing them uh with someone else, and they don't have online play or any of that stuff. That uh, so uh they're it it is uh the Neo Geo significantly hamstrung by some of the constraints here. So uh man. I don't know. Um, that's that's a tough one. Maybe uh, my my next instinct was to say like the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Yeah, well, I, the, I suppose the, the three I, I biggest the three biggest usually on the show are uh, either the Super Nintendo because of all the wonderful RPGs you get, and uh, obviously Nintendo platformers. Um, the the PlayStation Two because the back catalog is excellent and that is such an excellent catalog and then most recently um the xbox 360 because yeah. by the end of its lifestyle uh lifespan which is last week um the yeah. xbox 360 uh has an incredible back catalog now yeah the 360 was awesome yeah for sure especially especially if you get all the xbox live arcade stuff actually yeah. if if that stuff is included yeah i may well uh i may well have to say the so xbox games yeah, like I would braid say... and castle crashes yeah and... you know what actually that's the perfect choice because it has a bunch of Neo Geo games with online play. So that's like the, <laughs> it's not, it's not the same experience. You as cheat. Them. <laughs> yeah. The Xbox 360 ended up having an amazing, uh, library to it. And I suppose you can't just say uh, PC. That would, no, that would no, you cannot, you cannot cheat. choose the PC because you can just yeah. emulate things. Yeah. I would, you know, I would probably go with, I, I think the Xbox 360 is like, it seems like a really sensible choice. There's yeah. so many, good good games on there like old and new um and and 
a lot of my sort of modern classics, uh, which I haven't talked about here, the games like Bioshock or like Chronicles of Riddick, uh, games I and uh, I Resident Evil Four did come to the 360 eventually. Yes, didn't it did. It? Yeah, yes. there was a port. Yeah, so basically, I think you know many of my games, many of like my favorite games in in uh, you know over the last decade and a half or so uh yeah have found their way have have either started on that platform or found their way there so i i I think i would and and since like i said i value you know games i would rather play today more than games i would like go back to for sureness just sake i think i would go with that okay well the xbox 360 is yours to take with you to japan as well as these excellent games that you've chosen to satiate that competitive side and the replayability that you've discussed today um i want to thank you so much for coming on the show today it's been an honor and a pleasure talking to you mr greg kasavin um as a huge fan of your work back in the day and of bastion and transistor this has been a lovely lovely afternoon for me thank you if you would like people to check out your stuff, uh, especially what you're working on now or you personally, uh, please let the listeners know where they can find you and find your work. Yeah, I I, I suppose uh, Twitter is a good place as any. Uh, I'm just uh, Kasavin, my last name on Twitter, and also at uh, Supergiant Games on Twitter where I, 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 I'm, I'm the one behind that account. So either way <laughs> uh, you get to me, but yeah, either, either uh, if you want to hear me, uh, blab about hearthstone then there's my account or or <laughs> super giant related stuff um is is via that account but yeah i'm i'm easy to get a hold of i you know for better or worse i spend much of my life in and around the internet so <laughs> that is creature of creature of the internet (laughs) okay fantastic and if you want to check out the show or me you can find me on twitter as well at lee mbme uh i probably will begin talking about hearthstone a bit more now after today uh so if you can catch some hearthstone stuff on there as well uh you can also follow the show at final game show uh on twitter and if you want to email us for any reason we've received quite a lot of emails recently uh it's final games podcast at gmail.com uh we're on itunes we're on soundcloud all those lovely things if you want to rate or review the show that would be incredibly helpful um also follow us on soundcloud we reached number one on itunes last week which was amazing let's try and do it again this week so please listen also we have a patreon um that is just there if you would like to support us it's uh, patreon.com forward slash final games thank you so much for listening and thank you to greg for coming on and talking to me today and we'll see you again next time goodbye Gonna build that city